Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Did you see uh, Hunter? He went to the wrong place. He went to the Senate instead of the House. Everyone's saying, where's Hunter? See, it always gets, where's Hunter? What a, what a two-tier system of justice we have. If that was me who went to Capitol Hill and did a press conference on literally the, the front stairs about 20 feet away from the committee I was supposed to appear in, I would be in shackles before I left Washington, D.C. Do not be fearful. If you believe your philosophy brings people more freedom. Do not be fearful that you could lose your job over it. Do it anyways. I would do it all again. Former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy offering his farewell to Congress. McCarthy was removed as Speaker back in October after he had made an agreement with the White House not to cut federal spending as much as conservatives had wanted. McCarthy has not said what he plans to do following his retirement from Congress. Nassau County Republicans have picked their candidate to run for the congressional seat after George Santos was expelled from the House. Mozzie Pillip will challenge Democrat Tom Suozzi in February's special election for New York's third congressional district. She is currently serving in the Nassau legislature as a Republican, but she is, and here's the interesting part, also a registered Democrat. While former Representative George Santos does cameo videos, prepares to go to trial for corruption and wages war on the House members who helped oust him from Congress, New York Republicans are moving forward. They are expected to announce, as you said, Mozzie Pillip as their pick to run in February's special election to fill the seat left vacant by Santos. The 44-year-old is a mother of seven who lives in Great Neck, currently serving in the Nassau legislature. Now, Philip is an Ethiopian Jew who served in the Israeli Defense Forces before moving to the U.S. in 2005. The registered Democrat previously campaigned alongside MAGA Republicans and endorsed George Santos in his race for Congress. Philip was selected during a secret meeting from a group of about 20 candidates. The formal announcement expected to happen at noon in Massapequa. Philip will challenge Tom Swazi. He's the Democratic pick on February 13th. New information on a steer that got loose in New Jersey and then made its way to Newark Penn Station. The animal now safely back in custody. Witnesses at Newark Penn Station steering clear as the six to seven hundred pound animal prepared for a morning commute. Everybody was just scattering, scattering in a bull. Just ran past. From a safe distance, stunned onlookers used cell phone cameras to capture the bizarre sight. The steer left Newark Penn heading south, making it more than two miles, mostly by rail, to Freeland Heisen Avenue near Weequake Park. Witnesses watched as Newark police and Port Authority officers tried to corral the beast. He was trapped inside there. They had to close the gate, and then he was trying to run out. And then they, every time up. he tried to come out, they was running, you know, because, you know, them horns. Eventually, the steer was subdued with a tranquilizer and transported out in a trailer. It's likely the steer escaped en route to a Newark slaughterhouse. His future seems brighter after breaking out. New Jersey transit rail traffic is back to on or close to schedule. The folks at the animal sanctuary have already named that steer Ricardo. When it went into 
wanting to structure your contract that way that you did, and was this something that you wanted to do with whatever team you signed with? So, yes. Well, most most at the end, it's not. Well, any player is going to get a contract with a team. So, the percentage is going to be based on the percentage of the player that is signed with the team. まあ、自分が今受け取れる金額を我慢して、まあ、ペイロールに柔軟性を持たせれるのであれば、えー、僕は全然後払いでいいですというのが始まりですかね。Um, so I was aware of the deferral program or the structure and usually when there's a big contract in MLB、I'm, I've heard from the past that deferrals are involved not all the time but a lot of the time so I was looking into it and doing some calculations and I figured I mean if I Can defer as much money as I can if that's going to help the CBT and that's going to help the Dodgers and be able to sign better players and make a better team. I felt like that was、um, worth it and I was willing to go that direction, so that's why I made that choice. Today is the second annual Dyspraxia DCD America Radiothon. Danielle, you've done a magnificent job. But this charity was inspired by my son Gabriel, who was diagnosed as a little boy with dyspraxia. What is your message? My message is、um, no matter all the limitations, setbacks, people who make fun of you, just keep trying to do what you want to do.、Um, whether it's, you know, playing a sport, trying to open a can, trying to tie your shoes, just keep trying, and I promise you, you'll get it because repetition is just, it's, it, it helped me so much. And if you practice enough, it'll help you too. Hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. We love you so much. There's not even a word to describe it. You know that, right? It's been a very rewarding journey for me and mommy because、uh, there were times we were nervous and we weren't sure. There were and, times I was nervous too. Of course. But、um, to your credit, you've erased all that. And、uh, now, now we think you can do anything you want. We do. We love you. Love you too. Now he made me cry. Saw a lot of beautiful diamonds last night, me and the great Lou Rufino. We'll talk about this quite a bit today because in my now 25 year career, I've done a lot of radio appearances. And to be honest, thank you, Rihanna. Baby Rihanna. Aesop's wife, Aesop Rocky. I've done a lot of、uh, radio appearances in my career. 
And how do I say this nicely? Most of them are so lame. Lewis picked me up yesterday in the truck, and we uh, made the trip together. Thank you, Lou. He took me there, took me home. And uh, that's not an easy trip, going from Rockaway, Queens to Woodbridge, New Jersey. You've got the Staten Island Expressway, which was a mess. We'll talk to Nolan about it later. So before I get to uh, the actual event last night, I just want to tell you why um, I played Gabriel at the end of the Open today, put together again, brilliantly by Justin Ellick. You know, Gabe had his very first ever high school basketball game. He's on the JV two nights ago, and he had no idea what to expect if he'd get minutes. He got a ton of minutes. He actually started in the second half, and again, going back to when he was diagnosed with dyspraxia at Miami Children's Hospital, when the doctor said he ain't never going to hit 300 or lead the league in scoring. Well, guess what, Doc? Blow me, because my son started a high school basketball game in the second half. But I put up a picture. I wasn't there. I was lighting the menorah, so his uh, beautiful mom, Danielle, went. And I put up a picture of Gabe bringing up the ball. He actually played point guard and center, both on... uh, Wednesday night, whatever it was. And I put up a picture, and I have to tell you, this audience, I really do love you guys. I, I know every once in a while I criticize some of you for being moronic. But the overwhelming majority, I mean 99.9999% of you folks are so beautiful. And the messages I get, whether it's about me, this radio show, my wife, my daughter, my son, they're really over the top, beautiful. And the messages for Gaby the last two days were just so intense, it made me really happy. So I went back to the radio time, which we do annually now. Thanks to John Katzmatidis. Thank you, John. He allows me and Dan and Marco. He allows uh, me and Danielle to do it. We've done it two consecutive years. We should be raising more money, to be honest. I'll be honest right there. I'm going to criticize you guys. But. We uh, we are thankful and grateful for the opportunity, and Gabriel and Danielle were in that day. And I asked Gabe about some of the obstacles in the way, and you heard his answer. So played that because, again, he's only two days off his first game as a high school basketball player. But getting back to uh, the trip to Woodbridge, the reason why I played Rihanna Diamonds is he ended up last night at the Woodbridge Jewelry Exchange. And while most of these radio appearances are lame, you know, you go there for two hours and they don't pay you much and 10 or 20 people walk in and that's it. It's always the same people, you know. So I had no idea what to expect. So Lewis picked me up at about 4 o'clock yesterday. And I think we got to the exchange about about a quarter to 6. Is that right, Lewis? That's about right, yeah. That's we had a we good think. time. You know, we, we we joke around a lot. We have great conversations. Lewis plays all the music that I love. So anytime we go to any place together and Louis drives, it's always fun. Always fun. Always. So we pull up. There's a big, beautiful jewelry exchange. I think the building is called Lux. I don't know that part of New Jersey at all. I really don't. When we pull up, <laughs> first thing Lou says to me is, because he had told me in the car on the way there, you know, you, you minimize... The effect that you and the show has on people, it's going to be crowded. Yep. Stop it. 
Who's going to show up at a jewelry exchange on a Thursday night just were, to see us? You were very skeptical. Very yes, skeptical. Yes. And it wasn't just me. Frank Morano was there, and people love Frank. And Ernie Anastas, the greatest anchor in the history of news television, he was there too. And they're both terrific guys and hugely talented guys, but let's be honest. Okay. <laughs> they're coming to see me. Nut. No. I'm sorry, I, I, Sid. You're over there. Come on over here, back. I'm sorry, I stepped. Come back over. Come back over. Yeah. All right. A hundred hey, times last night. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so we walk up to the front of the place, and Lou goes, "All I see are customers." That's the first thing you said to me. No. Excuse um, me. Uh, all I see are employees. Right. Right. No customers. <laughs> right. I'm like, you see, you son of a bitch. I told you, no one's here. And then we walked in the door. And they had this little area set up. Lisa Orban, who is a terrific salesperson. She really is. We've got a couple ladies in sales that are great. I mean, Leslie Slender is a Hall of Famer. Orban's a Hall of Famer. Yvette's great, too. But Orban I've known for 20-plus years. I met Lisa Orban when I got my very first job ever doing New York radio. All the way back in 2000, when I was hired with my buddy Scott Kaplan to host mornings at 102.7 WNEW, Lisa Orban was a sales girl there. So we've been friends, literally friends, for 23 years. And she's great. So she set the whole thing up. She's there. And then you got a bunch of really good-looking guys, really well-dressed, too, and a couple of beautiful girls. And then I look to my right, and there's a line, I mean a line, of people that I don't really see at these radio events. I just don't. Even I miss. It was long lines for two hours. Yep. Am, am I exaggerating? No, was that the case? It kept going. They would they would stop for a couple of seconds, and then it would build up again. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's another 20 people waiting. I to... sat down at one point on the couch. I'm like, I hate to do this to you, Sid, but, you know, we need you to... Uh... <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? And I look to my right, and sure enough, to lose point, like 20 more people. Yeah. I they need kick- a picture. I need a picture. I'm yeah. Gonna, I want to see. Can I talk to Sid? Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's right here. Ah, <laughs> uh, They came from all over. So I do want to congratulate Leon Temis. He's the owner. In fact, at one point, somebody said to Leon, what do you do for a living? And his quote was, I work for Lisa Orban. <laughs> so Leon uh, did a terrific job. His marketing coordinator, Philip Montanez, terrific work. The marketing manager, the lovely Erica Giuliano, she was great. Uh, also, Aiden Actemir, he was the operations director. He was there. And then there's a whole bunch of folks like Larry Erdman. I've known Larry Erdman out of Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, for 45 years, something like that. He's got a uh, a little, I guess they have shops inside this jewelry exchange. I had no idea. There was Larry Erdman. Uh, you know what's nice to me, too? There's a guy named Donald, and he works for Ray Katina. And, of course, Ray Katina Porsche sponsors Joe Nolan's traffic. I'm starting to think Ray Katina should just sponsor this whole show. They're a great car dealer. They used to sponsor Mike Brancessa on WFAN, and they love me there. And this guy, Donald, was terrific last night. Bunch of people. Tim, was it Tim who brought the two flags last night, Lewis? The Trump flag and the Israeli flag? Is that guy's uh, name Tim? I think it was. And then you had Stanley from Perth Amboy, who gave us a clipping from a 1959 newspaper 
that was that mentioned Audi Idala. Oh, and I, I forgot to show that. Yeah, give it. I have it. You have that somewhere. Yeah, I have it. I but have was it, the guy? Yeah. But was the guy's name Tim, who gave yeah. me the two flags? Yes. The Trump flag. Okay, I want to yes, make sure yes. that's the well, case. I, I have it in my phone. Then you had the Philip and Joe brothers. Philip wearing the Trump shirt. Then you had uh, Sally. I don't leave anybody out because it was um, it was a great night, and a lot, a lot, a lot of folks showed up. Yes, Tim. Tim. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say this too. You know, um, I pride myself, and the whole crew does, my whole team, great team, Lou, Noam, Justin, but I pride myself on being more than just a news deliverer in the mornings. So when people come up to me and they go, man, I don't want to miss a second of your show because I don't want to miss a story about Danielle or Ava or Gabriel or Lou or anybody. Anything that happens in your life, I can't wait to hear about it. And that's what I love about this show. You know, I remember many, many, many years ago, somebody said to me, they're a radio host, and they said, I've created a community. I've said this before. I've created a community. And he was right, he did. And that's the key to this thing. You know, why do I get bigger ratings than anybody else at this station? by a distance, and certainly anybody else at WOR, four or five times. We're all discussing the same thing, right, guys? We're all discussing the same exact news of the day. Why does this show do so well? Well, I've got guys on this show that are just very, very talented. Lewis, Noam, Justin, the music. People love the music on this show, which Lou does a great job. Lou does most of it. I do some of it. Lou does most of it. But it's the lifestyle stuff. You know, there were actually two men, two men who cried to me last night. One of them made me cry. His son was, his son's name was Julius. I forgot the dad's name, but his son's name was Julius. Another guy came named Brandon Ward with his little boy who was so happy to meet me. But there were two men last night that literally made me cry because they cried. They said, you have no idea what you do for all of us every morning, above and beyond the narrative and the, you know, the opinion on the news of the day, whether it's Trump or Israel or Adams, Cuomo, above and beyond that, we just can't wait to hear your voice and what you've got to say every morning. And I'm like, for me, it's, it's very surreal because I still can't believe that a normal person would go out of their way on a Thursday night, a freezing cold Thursday night in New Jersey, to come meet me. I mean, what kind of idiots are these people? And then I come to the realization, they're not idiots at all. They're my fans, they're our listeners, and to a certain extent, they're our family. They're our radio family. And uh, nights like last night really, really make me appreciative of our fan base here. They are great people. They are moved. They are touched. They enjoy this show. They want this show. They need this show. And let me tell you, there are mornings I get up, 3.15 a.m., Lou 2. Lou's up at a godly hour. Justin's here by 3. No, what time do you get here every morning? 
I get here at like 2.45. I mean, come on. These are ungodly hours. (laughs) These are unforgiving. People say to me, you ever get used to it? No, No. you never get used to it. Did you see what Imus looked like at the end of his career? (laughs) You ever see Howard Stern on TV? They don't look great. They don't look great. This job beats the hell out of you. But when two men come to me at a radio event and cry and say, we need you, we don't care what you're talking about. You could be talking about Tommy DeVito. We don't care. We need you. It makes it all worth it. All of it. All right, big show coming up. It is a Friday morning, and uh, we're going to end the week in style. Down to now six shows before we take off a week from today. Come back in 2024. The number is always one 800 848 WABC, that's 1-800-848-9222. Rihanna, shine bright like a diamond. This goes out to our friends at the Woodbridge Jewelry Exchange. And I'll be back right after this. and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends. I try to discover a little something to make me sweeter. Oh, baby, refrain from breaking my Now, here's where you know that I've really allowed some of these uh, ratings and headlines get to my head. So, uh, <laughs> so, again, unlike most of these radio appearances, these people in Woodbridge last night actually paid me. And they paid me well. Most of these cheap bastards, they, you know, they throw you a couple of hundred bucks and they think they're doing you a favor. You know, and I've told people in sales, I'm just not doing it anymore. That's it. So these people stepped up big last night and yet... With that, for some reason, I thought, Lewis, I'd be walking out with a new tennis bracelet for Danielle. Free, of course. I'm, I really thought that. I I'm, swear to God. I don't doubt that. <laughs> yeah. I don't doubt that. Shut You'd up. see like 800 <laughs> tables of jewelry. Oh, my God. There's, uh, there's got, you're right. There's got to be about 25 or 30, maybe more. I don't know. There's a lot vendors of vendors in there. Yeah. And they've got all the top brands. You know, they've got, it's 47th Street. Uh, without PP and uh, duty in the street, <laughs> you know, they've got a nice place without PP and duty and a whole bunch of nice jewelry. And then, and what I have to say is probably the epitome of romantic. To me, nothing says romance 
more than Lou Ruffino and Sid Rosenberg having a twilight dinner at Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, that was that capped off the night. <laughs> we left about eight fifteen. We're starving. You know, we left Queens at four o'clock. We had to eat something. Now, now to um, Lisa's credit. She bought me a, a roast beef sandwich, which I think is still in the backseat of your car, Lou. Oh, that's right. You didn't take I forgot it. about it, yeah. Oh, okay, that's good. So we had to eat. So we, uh, the mall is right across the street. So Louis got this uh, Waze thing on his phone, you know. So he parks outside of JCPenney, and he tells me there's a place called Buster's Burgers or something, and it's right when you walk into the mall. 25 minutes later, <laughs> we're still walking around the mall. We can't find an open restaurant. <laughs> Swear to God, 25 minutes. And then we found uh, Applebee's. Louis, I believe, had a fine steak. Is that right? Yeah, yes. I had an ice burger. We shared uh, boneless chicken wings. <laughs> and then uh, we had sex in the car and went home. <laughs> that, hey, uh, that, uh, was, no. that was the quickest part. <laughs> Actually, great night. Thank God that didn't take long. <laughs> <laughs> I was tired, bro. Give me a break. Jeez. Then Come on, man. Then they closed the mall. We had to walk around outside. <laughs> oh, that's true. So they closed the mall. So, you know, we walked, we, walked, we went into freezing out last what night. What time is it? Freezing. The mall? It's, it's about uh, 9.30. Yeah. It's late. Oh, uh, yeah, it's getting close to 10. But, so, but they I kept guess. the restaurants open, you know. So we couldn't walk through the mall to get back to the car. And, and as, I, as I told you, it was about a 25-minute walk from J.C. Penney's in the mall to Applebee's. Now we got to walk outside, and it's freezing. And I'm walking past Dave and Buster's. <laughs> I'm walking past Lord and Taylor. Not Lord and Taylor. One of those uh, famous department stores. I'm like, look, where's the car? He goes, around here, around here. So it took a while. But uh, all in all, I got to tell you, it was a great night. And I, if you're a business out there, and I mean this, I'm not looking for, I don't care. But um, you should have me and Lou out at all these places. People love us. Lou's fun. He really is. He goes back to the uh, legendary Imus days. So I know Glenn is listening and Leslie and all these great salespeople. This should be a slam dunk. One of these a month at the very least you guys should be doing. Now, Noam, give me the uh, the biggest news story. You know, I saw this morning that they're arresting Hamas all over the world. I believe yesterday they arrested four of these animals in Germany. Did you see that? Yeah, they foiled this plot uh, that Hamas had to take action against Europeans, Americans, all over Europe. And uh, they unraveled it before it happened, thankfully. But clearly there's this real threat from Hamas around the world to do damage against us and everybody else. It really does remind me of ISIS. You know, going back to Brussels and Paris and right here in the United States, they, they were seemingly everywhere. And... And that's what we're seeing with Hamas. They're arresting people like uh, Noam just talked about, falling plots uh, all over the world. Now, Israel did lose a couple of more soldiers yesterday, IDF folks. They lost uh, nine or ten in one day. A couple of days ago when they walked into that house that was booby-trapped. And I believe they found three of our hostages dead, three bodies and I believe all men. Is that right? Yeah. The you know they're not give, they haven't given us a lot of specifics on all this hostage stuff because I guess there's still a thought that some of these hostages are still alive to try and make some form of negotiation. But yeah, they definitely have found some of these hostages dead. That is very very sad. I mean, really sad. 
Any other big news about this uh, Israel conflict coming out last night? New news? You know, just the argument, really, between the White House and Bibi Netanyahu. You know, the president finally saying that he essentially thinks that the civilian toll in Gaza is too high, and he's telling Israel to pull back, and Bibi Netanyahu essentially saying, no, it's not going to no, happen. we're not going to do it. No, we're not. I mean, look, uh, again, we, we, we gave these people ample opportunity so many times. We've already had a ceasefire. That lasted, what, five days. They did not put troops on the ground when they wanted to. Trust me, they wanted to go in with boots on the ground October 8th. It took like a month. And they're going, well, you know, we, you know, it's a dangerous place. We need to collect more intelligence. No. Part of the reason why Israel waited so long, so long, was to allow the quote-unquote innocent, if they exist, the innocent Palestinians to leave. Israel, time and time again during this conflict, has given these people ample time to get out. Now, oh, it's not our fault. Hamas won't let us leave. Well, if that's the case, what do you want from Israel? You want to get their soldiers killed trying to save Palestinian civilians from their own people? I don't understand what the point. What am I missing here, No. Well, you, what you're missing maybe is that the progressives in the Democratic Party have been pushing back really hard against the president to say something. And I guess because, because they hate a, Israel. Well, and there's an election coming up and the Biden's worried about it. And so he has to yeah. appeal to both sides, which is, of course, not easy. To well, do. you're right. He is worried about the Arab vote. He's not worried about young Israeli women being raped and murdered in the streets. Again, if I hear one more person tell me, Michael Goodwin, my sister, how pro-Israel uh, Biden is, you're stupid. He's not pro-Israel. Couldn't care less. He wants the Jewish vote. He wants the Arab vote. Donald Trump is pro-Israel. Do you think that this would be happening with Trump, that he'd be telling Netanyahu to pull back? He would be like, demolish these people. This is war. And now it turns out that Kamala Harris... The most embarrassing, least likable, giggling vice president in the history of our country. She's really the one that is uh, putting pressure on Biden to be tougher on Netanyahu. Did you see that? I did. Kamala Harris. This idiot. I mean, she's a moron. If she didn't bang the mayor of San Francisco, she'd be nowhere today. And I'm okay with, you know, listen, you got you to do what you got to do. All right, she ended up being the vice president. She's a woman, a woman of color. All those things on paper look really, really good. They do. And I've got a daughter who's 19 who respects that. But this lady is a moron, a racist, and got there by literally having sex with another politician. That's how she got there. So if uh, your daughter, Noam, became the first female vice president. Right. And she got there by blowing the mayor of San Francisco. Would you be proud of that? Uh, let me think about this. <laughs> Vince, take your time. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then she gets the job, which is great, and she's awful. Don't forget, she was the border czar. How's the border going these days? It is pretty porous at the pretty border. Pretty porous, yes. So what has she done exactly? And now she's pissing me off. I never really got mad at Kamala. I kind of felt badly for her because I felt like this is, she's just not bright enough to be in that position. She's just not. She's not ready for a job like that. 
you know, as boring as Mike Pence was, and he was an awful presidential candidate, he was a good vice president. When COVID happened, those press conferences, he stepped up to the plate. Kamala Harris is just not capable, not because she's black, not because she's a woman. She's just stupid. She's stupid. So I felt badly for her. But now you start to criticize Netanyahu, now you're in my crosshairs. (laughs) I guess she doesn't care. (laughs) Traffic with Joe Nolan is coming up next. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC Minicast Clip of the Day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from Katz and Cosby, my man John Katz-Matidis. Here, John and Rita talk with Congressman Jason Smith. There's a lot of individuals that we want to come before us in Congress that they need to answer a lot of questions that we have. And there's a lot of documentation that we need this administration to provide to us in this investigation. You know, one of the big reasons why we had this vote yesterday is because Biden's administration has been blocking, blocking numerous requests for document presentation. We had folks from Department of Justice Tax Division that we subpoenaed to come before the committee to answer a lot of questions, and the high-ups prevented it from happening. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. A fresh week of NFL football got underway last night on Thursday Night Football. The L.A. Chargers paid the Vegas Raiders a visit just to get absolutely annihilated by Vegas, 63-21. to Locally this weekend, the Jets and Giants are both slated for Sunday afternoon's 1 p.m. window. The Jets will take on the Dolphins in Miami as 9.5-point underdogs, while the Giants kick things off in New Orleans against the Saints as 6-point underdogs. On the hardwood in Denver, the Nets fell to the Nuggets by a score of 124 to 101. Tonight, the Knicks are back on the court in Phoenix against the Suns. Tip-off there is scheduled for 10 p.m. On the ice, no local action last night, but the Rangers and Islanders will be back at it tonight at 7 p.m. The Rangers will welcome in the Anaheim Ducks, while the Islanders host the Boston Bruins a half an hour later at 7.30. Then in the world of baseball, on the same day, Shohei Otani dons Dodger Blue for the first time at his introductory press conference. Los Angeles continued to stack up on stardom by trading for frontline starter Tyler Glasnow from the Tampa Bay Rays kind of saw that one coming. The deal is contingent on Glasnow signing a contract extension with Los Angeles, which both parties are hopeful will happen at some point today. That's support sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTechless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Oi! The man who sat back-to-back with 45 at Cipriani Wall Street on Saturday night. Donald Trump had a big Young Republicans event, and the big news is that Sid Rosenberg was there. He's Sid Rosenberg, and this is Sid and Friends in the Morning.
Christmas, baby. One more week of shows. 2023, sitting friends in the morning. Christmas, actually. Ten days from today. Six nights from tonight. Me and Lewis out on another date, except this time both of our significant others, the lovely Danielle and the lovely MJ, will be there. Stephen Van Zant talking about Bruce Springsteen here. Little Stevie, the E Street Band, and uh, Silvio Dante, the Sopranos. You guys all heard it. Did it live right on the air a couple of weeks ago, thanks to him and Mike Sullivan. They're going to honor me at Stephen Van Zant's annual Policeman's Ball coming up at the Mandarin Hotel Thursday night. Me and Ron Duguay, the former Ranger great, and uh, Lou and MJ are going to come too. That's going to be fun. But earlier that night, here's my dilemma. Stop bringing in guests, by the way, next hour, Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani, Joseph Tacopina, Mike Waller, who knows, all today. So uh, the dilemma is, on the way to Woodbridge last night, I called my friend Bo Deedle. Bo has not been on the show. He's uh, busy. Stop asking me every day where he is. Is he okay? Are we fighting? You can't be closer as friends than me and Bo. You can't. So we called him from the car last night, me and Lou. Fun conversation. And he has his annual Christmas party, which got me in more trouble over the years than anything else I've ever done. I mean, every year, I'm talking back in the FAN days, those Sparks Christmas parties with uh, me and Bernie and Mike Piazza and a host of others. (laughs) They were great parties, but it was just trouble waiting to happen. So Bo has his Christmas party, which I went to last year with Danielle, and Pete and Maureen Morgan joined us, actually, because it was the same night as the WABC Christmas party. So we went from Bo's party, only a couple blocks away, to here. And as I said a couple times, WABC puts on a great Christmas party. I mean, I said it only 30 times. John and Margo do a great job. They got karaoke, great food. Plenty of imbibement. Everybody has a good time. That party last year was great. Now, I can't make it to the ABC Christmas party this year, coming up Wednesday night, because I went and purchased tickets to take Gabriel to see the Nets play the Knicks, which he's dying to see, in Brooklyn at Barclays. So I will not be at the Christmas party this year. But it's a great party. But the day after Thursday, I've got Bo Dietl's party and Van Zandt's 
Policeman Ball. And I have to do both because I love both of those guys. Bo and Stevie. By the way, Lewis, so do you. What? You what? love both of those guys. Yes, I do. So you got to find a way to make it to both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Right? A lot of pressure. I do not need this pressure. I know. Do you understand that? No. I don't. Well, if I have the pressure, then you need to have the pressure. Uh, uh, Why should I just have it? I've uh, followed along, and now I see how that goes. Yes, I have to have pressure. I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Somehow. I mean, I guess we'll just go together to both. Okay. Great. Right? But I I can't be late for Stevens because they're honoring me, and as much as I love Bo, he's not honoring me. (laughs) (laughs) Here's to my friend Sid. Here's to bring him up. <laughs> but his will probably be earlier, I guess. His is earlier, yes. All right. So then talking about honoring me, I get a call from Arthur Idala last night. And he's got a buddy who's putting on this really big event in January. And uh, they're raising money for ambulances and uh, just medicinal needs in Israel. And this guy originally wanted me to host the event, but now he's changed his mind. I've never met this guy. I've never talked to this guy. He's changed his mind, and now instead of me hosting the event, they want to honor me at the event. And I said, great. That's very, very sweet. Anything to do with Israel or the cops, Israel or the cops, you honor me, I'm there. That is a huge honor for me, very humbling. But then Artie goes on to tell me, you know, I just spoke to Governor Andrew Cuomo. I said, I know. We had a conversation earlier in the day because you remember on this show yesterday, we kind of floated the idea for the second time this year of putting the former governor on the show. Now, for you folks that are avid listeners, you know that, and I know it's the Christmas season, Hanukkah just ended, and we should all be in a pretty good spiritual place, but you guys know but I haven't exactly been kind to the governor on the air. In fact, I've called him some words that only I say on the radio that we use a lot in Brooklyn. <laughs> so I thought maybe that would get in the way, but according to Idala, Cuomo said, yeah, I mean, I hope he's not a jerk because he knows what I call him, but he, he wants it. He'll do it. He wants to do it. So as soon as I found out he wants to do it, what do you think my reaction was? Nah, I don't want to do it. <laughs> so then I held an informal poll with my guys this morning. You know, because I do do that once in a while. I go to Lou, I go to Noam, I go to Justin. I ask what they think, and I do what I want anyway. It's like Trump, but I am curious. So let's do it one more time. Uh, Noam Layton. Assuming the governor who told Arnie Idala last night he will come on is serious about that. Before the end of the year, do I bring Governor Cuomo on this show? No. No. Without any hesitation. And why is that? I'm just curious. I think we've heard everything we're going to hear from him. You're not going to. We've heard nothing from him. You're not going to pull anything more out of him than he's already said. That's Noam's point, probably. Well, you're right about that, but if anybody can, is it me or no? Yeah, it is you. Am I giving myself too much credit? I think if we do it, one of us has to negotiate. What's going to happen in that interview before it does, which I hate to do, but like I think the with hostage, him you have to. Almost like the hostages yes. in Israel. Yeah, we'll get yeah. Cutter involved and uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. figure it out. So who would be that person that would be the, the, the intermediate between me and Cuomo 
the liaison, if you will, to get that done. Uh, I think it has to be Justin Ellis. Well, Justin, executive producer. stop getting me involved in this. Yeah, he asked me earlier this week to reach he, out to him myself, which I'm so glad I didn't. Guy. I, I'd actually call back Mike Garcia, I think, before. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> All right, so Mike with... Garcia? How'd you pull that name out of My God. Frankie, what was his name? Frankie? <laughs> The fat kid whose mother got mad at me. I liked him, actually. Frank Frankie Diaz. Diaz. Frankie Diaz, yeah. Oh, All right, Frank so Diaz. no, no gives me a resounding no. You got the names right. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Justin Ellick, what do you think? Cuomo, yes or no? No, absolutely not. Really? Yeah. And why are you saying no? Well, I concur with Noam's point. I, it, he's done enough speaking engagements, interviews now at this point. He's been lousy every time. Every I remember, look, time. and I love Rita. I do, I love Rita. And Rita is an all-time great. Do we all agree on that? Yeah. Yes. But she had him on. And she was beating her chest afterwards. I'm like, why? Right. I mean, please, you spent 30 minutes on the women. No one cares about that. I actually defend Cuomo on that. To me, the women thing was like Al Capone not paying his taxes. Don't worry about all the people he killed. He didn't pay his taxes. That's what the women thing was for me for Cuomo. And trust me when I tell you, I am there for the Me Too movement. But he went to a wedding. He touched somebody on their arm. He kissed them in the face. I do the same thing. Same thing. So that was nonsense for me. That was 30 minutes of that interview. He gave her nothing with the nursing homes, nothing with the um, the um, bail reform, nothing. So I've heard it before, on with John, on with Rita, and despite their attempts, not their fault, he gives nothing. So both of you guys agree it'll be the same with me. Yeah. yeah. All right. What about uh, Lewis? Your um, thoughts? I'm... Very much not a fan of his, right? And, um, but that doesn't mean you wouldn't bring him on. No, but uh, but in light of information that you also told me yesterday, yeah, um, <laughs> regarding your phone, I think it's even more uh, the case that you shouldn't have. Should on. not. No, aye, aye, aye. because can I say I don't know if I sure go ahead. Well, absolutely. Well, through through Mr. Idala, he's like, well, as long as Sid is not going to be a jerk, a jerk, right? Then I'll come on. That, but I don't. Know but I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? Right. So if I say to him, now look, if I go, look, what you know, you killed those people. You're that res- would that would be a jerk, right? You're, you're, right. Or are you bringing it up, or, you're res- or wouldn't you say you're responsible for what right. has so, happened? So if I happened. bring it up in responsible fashion and go. Listen, Mr. Governor, that's nice, Mr. Governor. Um, your policies led to the death of 18,000 people. I'm not calling him a murderer. I'm just saying his policies. So to your point, Lewis, would that be me being a jerk? And if that's going to be the case, I don't want him either. Right. Well, you, he bring he he leads you into a very gray area of yeah. where am I? So that means, oh, I have license to answer, not answer. Mm. And what are you coming on for? You want to do a poll somewhere? Where can we do a poll on this? Uh, no. We could do it on our website. Well, you want to do that? We could. Well, who makes those polls? I guess we do. <laughs> yeah, but then I, I could be implied that Cuomo would see that poll. But what does he care? Well, he doesn't care. You've, you've, already, you've already put the pants on in this negotiation. I have, yes. yes. Well, you guys, it's uh, 3 nothing. not to bring them on. Put the poll up on WABCradio.com. <laughs> but uh, you're gonna give me orders? No, but here's what you got to do. You know, I've had these discussions too with Doug and Stephanie no and Gina. Yeah, they, they, they they put up my interviews or my my clips, my video clips, and every comment is so unbelievably nasty. You can't make it up. 
Oh, here's the narcissist again. Oh, no one listens. Oh, the show tanks since Bernie died. By the way, I didn't show up. Uh, but that's okay. That's fine. So, so I say, don't allow people to comment. Just put the damn stuff up. Take the likes, and that's it. So with the Cuomo poll, you should not allow people to comment because they will say some nasty things. And well, what are they? What, so what are they allowed to say? Just vote, vote, vote. Should he come on or not? Vote. That's so it. Can, the way you do it is you put it on the story. So you, you don't put it as a post, but you put it on the Instagram story. Whose Instagram story? Our Instagram story. The the, the radio station. Yeah, or, right. or Sid and Friends. No, I don't want to do that. Oh, Sid and Friends, that's fine. Right. Not on my personal thing. No, 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 no. Okay. But you put up the no. poll and you say, and, and, and it's a story, and no. then people can then interact with the story. They could vote that way. Curtis Sliwa says I should put him on. But Curtis is a troublemaker. You know, he doesn't care. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> right. And then believe me when I tell you, no matter what I do with Cuomo, as much as Curtis loves me, and let's be honest, I revived Curtis's career. He was done. <laughs> I mean, the guy's doing the guy's doing an hour at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. I put this son of a bitch on every weekday morning. Now he's a star again. Now he's going to be the next mayor because of me. But you know, no matter how I treat Cuomo, he's going to be critical. Oh, no, no, you really? You think? Right, so I can't win with him either. No, 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 no. What no. do you mean, no? And then, well, then we have to deal with it. All. He's got to come on right. five you, right. days out of week and yell and scream at right. you about the Cuomo thing. I mean, I, I, mean I, really, I really can't think of one good reason why it is. And then I'd, I'd have to cut up the interview a million yes, different yes. ways. <laughs> like a million different ways. Yeah. And it'll make you look <laughs> yeah. terrible. Oh, my God. Be like, I, He'll I, cut be, you so you like, I know awful. we listened to the whole thing yesterday, but what did, what did oh. we miss? Go back to when Sid asked this, and five seconds after that, and then I want Cuomo's response. Oh, it's going to be good. And then I want a cow mooing. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't wanna, I don't want a chicken. I want a turkey gobbling. I wanna... Have the woman scream yeah. when I tell you this. All right. well. <laughs> well, coming up next. See, the poll is not going to happen. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad we did this. I really, no, I'm serious. Because after doing this and uh, taking all you brilliant men's opinion into account, Cuomo will be on this show Monday at night. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
Moxie texting back and forth right now with the great one himself, Mark Levin. <laughs> Levin, unprovoked, has sent me a story. 7.14 a.m., Mark Levin, Iran sponsored the October 7th massacre. America paid for it. Okay. He right. So when I say to Michael Goodwin, this administration, including Joe Biden, is complicit in the attacks. If you believe that story and you believe Mark Levitt and Sid Rosenberg, in the definition of the word complicit, it makes sense in this case. You paid for it. You're complicit. Goodwin, of course, was so angry with me because he thought I overstepped my boundaries. I mean, his policies aren't great, but no. Levin just sent it to me. I've said it since October the 8th. Mark Levin has said it since October the 8th. No matter what this government says, no matter what nonsense pro-Israel rhetoric Biden delivered early on, they've never been pro-Israel. And mind you, this week has been awful. Because almost every day now, somebody in that administration, almost every day, whether it's Biden or Airface Blinken, one of these guys comes out and takes Netanyahu to the woodshed. Oh, oh, they got to stop. They're not doing it right. They're killing civilians. Come on. So I asked Levin to come on uh, one more time because we're down after today to just five shows before we break till 2024. So I'm waiting for the great one to get back to me. But the great one, you know, could be used for a bunch of guys, including the guy sitting right in front of me. Of course, he does a great job hosting the Rip and Read, gets big ratings, noon to one every weekday afternoon. He hosts overnights on the weekend. But his best work is uh, right here. And I will tell you, it's kind of funny. Wherever I go these days, wherever I go, could be a work event, could be a basketball game, could be a restaurant. Do you know what the overwhelming amount of people ask me what the number? It used to be, is Imus really like that? Is Francesa really like that? Do you know what the number one question asked of me now almost every night is? Where's Curtis? What do you mean, where's Curtis? He's got his wife, Nancy. He's got his life. I've got my life. Oh, wait a second. You're at the jewelry exchange. You and Curtis. I listen to you and Curtis every morning. It's my favorite part of the day. I said, well, thank you for that. I love that part of the day, too. But we have separate lives. For some reason, Curtis, people think you and I are, like, married now, which... Oh, that would be a dysfunctional uh, marriage, <laughs> yeah. just like uh, the dysfunctional community you you described in the 6 o'clock hour. I listen intently to every word, Sid. Yes, you do. You guys pimp slapped me right before the top of the hour, all of you. All of you. Well, it was like was you that? were putting boots to the back of my head. What are you? Revived my career. I that's was true. No, yeah, that's true. I was going nowhere. You were going nowhere. I was I mean, down and out. I mean, they gave you one hour during the week at 12 o'clock. Which I had to audition for, by the right, way. Right, you had to audition. You're doing 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays. Could you imagine this? 35 years of experience, and I say, hey, get rid of that schmuck who's doing uh, the 12 to 1. Some guy was doing a podcast, right? No, wasn't it Charlie Kirk yeah, or something? Horrible. Yeah. So it's my idea. Yeah. I said, I'll do it in a heartbeat. Oh, you're going to have to audition for this. Unbelievable. I'll, through a whole list of people I wouldn't even put on a junior <laughs> high school radio station. But did I say anything? No, Sid. No. Because this is the thing of ours. 
We accepted the role here on talk radio, and we just got to suck it up and do uh, our no, job. No, I think it's, it's disrespectful. I mean, for whatever it's worth, whatever it's worth. You want to know what you want to know what disrespect is? No, no, I, I'm telling you, I put you on this show five days a week yeah. because I really consider you. I mean this, yes, a legitimate radio right, Hall right, of Famer. Right. You I wanna, think you're one you of the all-time greats. You want to know what disrespect? Yeah, is. sure. What's disrespect? Uh, you go out to Woodbridge, right? Last right. night. That's right. Yeah. I've been there many times. The Rio Diner for live broadcast for the King of Talk Radio, Bob Grant. Jim yeah. McGreedy was the mayor there. I knew Leon Temis, right? He was on my board of directors of the Guardian Angels. Yes, he told me that. Yes, I spoke every year at the Armenian gathering where they blamed the Turks for their Holocaust, their genocide. And it was the Schmuckterputz Chuck E. Chishumu said, if you ever have him here again, I'll never do anything for you folks, you Armenians. And so you know what? They dissed and dismissed me, but Leon had my back. So all of you were there, Frank Morano, Sunshine, uh, Ernie Anastas, uh, Sid Rosenberg, wrong way, Lou Rufino, but no Curtis Slewa, right? Well, How do you like that? Well, not only is it weird because, as you just said, you know Leon, he owns the place, and you've got a rich history with Woodbridge. Not only were you not there last night, but the commercials leading up to this event were you and I together. How do you like that? I said, how do they have me and Curtis going back and forth about this great event, and he's not even invited. And by the way, what a diss and dismiss. You were on with that liar for hire, Arthur Idella, instead of soliciting no, he from was him. was with me. I was on his I show. I understand that. Right. But you said you were on the phone with him. Oh, yes, I was. Uh, how come you didn't say you need to come on uh, the Sid Rosenberg show and apologize to Curtis because you lied? In fact, Frank said you did have a sit-down right. with Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo at Juniors. Let me get to this. So I did have that conversation, and he said, man, Curtis is the best. He don't stop. According to Arthur Idala, yes, Frank Sedio was there at Junior's, and he said, Sid, guess what? And he ate the whole cheesecake. That may be true to you. He said, Sid, guess what? They meet there every week. Oh, come It wasn't on. an emergency meeting oh, about stop. Adams and Cuomo. They meet there every yes, week. Sir, let me get this straight. Andrew yeah. Evil Ice Cuomo and his compound in Southampton, uh, run by his brother Fredo, with his wartime consigliere Joe Pococo, just did six years for political corruption, who's already gotten his Louisville sluggers ready. He schleps all the way in from the compound where they've hit the mattresses and they stir the marinara sauce, planning his comeback to sit with Frank Sedio while Frank Sedio eats a whole cheesecake. He wasn't and there. And Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo watched. Cuomo wasn't there. It was Frank and somebody else. Oh, please. Please, All we have said, the evidence. He said, uh, well, he said it's a good story, but not only uh, was there no discussion about Adams and Cuomo, but that is a regular right, meeting. So the New York Post is lying, right? No. The photo is no, lying. He's admitting that he was there. Oh, come on. But Boy, there was sit, no meeting. Sit, why, why you cover up this uh, this lackey, this sycophant toady, uh, toady's butt? By the way, let me ask you a question. You gotta, you gotta get Cuomo on the air. Well, I just did a poll with my three guys, and they said no way, no, no look, way. Look, yeah, I'd rather them go on your show. You hate him more than I do. He's not gonna come on. Well, why my would show. he come on mine? I'm not exactly as big as cheerleader. He needs your audience. Well, he does need that. Yes. If he as- expects any kind of comeback, he needs your audience. One hundred percent. Uh, number two, notice what's happened to Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal alien, since he hasn't come on your show. Falling apart. Totally. He totally. needs, right. he needs your audience. 
Andrew even lies Cuomo needs your audience, okay. without which he has no shot of getting elected mayor of the city of New York. And that's why I believe he told Audie Idala last night, as long as Sid's not a jerk, which I should punch him in the face for, by the way, um, I'll come on. Like he's doing me a favor. What you just said is really true. Bring him I'm in. I'm doing him the bigger favor. Come on. You bring him in. You're the guy who can ask the questions that need to be well, asked. Well, let me ask you this. Let's Did, say. Didn't Jen Harrison, uh, head of the victims uh, organization, said you should have him on yes, yesterday? Jen Harrison did say who that. Hates victim... a, who hates him more than her, me? Come on. That's a good point. Hey, guys, uh, Justin, Lewis, and Noam, nobody hates Cuomo more than Curtis and Jen Harrison. And they both want to hear this. Let me ask you this. Let me put you in this seat, which you're in the seat anyway every day. And you're talking to Cuomo, you said. After you get through the initial pleasantries, what is the first question? Because do you take it slow? Do you punch him in the face right away? What do you do? No, no, no no pleasantries. Oh, no pleasantries. You just just simply say, we have the documentary evidence. Wait, I can't say hello? You don't say hello? No. What? What do you mean no? I hate this guy. So you want me to start the interview with... Oh, no, no, you. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah, this is absolutely. me doing the yes, interview, yeah. yeah. So how does it start? All right. You just say, look, uh, your gal pal, Melissa DeRosa... Still no hi here. No hi, no hello, nothing. Yeah, you go. can go hi, hi. You know, that's, hi, that's it. luck for him. 18 times 2 is 36. Hi. He's just hi. thinking of getting contributions <laughs> from your people, the Jewish people, because your checks don't bounce. All right, so you want me to say hi, right. and then right after that, go right to Melissa DeRosa. Just say, look, we have the video, Melissa DeRosa telling the leaders of the Democratic State Legislature that you lied about the death count of senior citizens because you were afraid that the Attorney General of the United States was going to charge you and your administration for covering up. It's documented. It's right there. I know. So he would have to call his aide-de-camp, his most trusted lackey, sycophant, and toady, Melissa DeRosa, a liar. Is he going to throw under the bus? Yes. He'll do the Tarantella, and you'll pin him down. you got to do it. Uh, number two, Gnome Laden. Oh, my God, Gnome Laden. Uh, let me tell you something. I discovered that the group that organized the takeover of the Manhattan Bridge, you know, the Hamas nutniks the other night, was sponsored by Queers for Palestine. Okay, well, Gnome's not in that group. Well, no, I asked him okay. simply to do due diligence and track the group down. What did you find out, Gnome? Well, I uh, joined their Instagram page, so I'm now a member of Queers for Palestine, and um, I messaged them to find out what their next uh, event is, and I have not heard back from them. Nothing? Nothing. Zippo. Now, yeah. imagine this. None of the media has covered this. Nobody. Curtis Sliwa brings it to everybody's attention. <laughs> that queers. Do you know they'd have their heads chopped off if they were in Gaza, if they were in the West Bank, the if they were in Jordan, if they, they th- were in Syria they or Iraq th- or Iran? Th- they throw these people off the roofs. These people are morons. What was the name of that group? Uh, God hates the F word. Was on Howard Stern show all the time. That group, remember that, uh, Noam God Hates? They're still around. They are still around? Yeah. I think they were from Kansas, that group, oh, uh, Westboro right. yes. Baptist Church in yes. Kansas. Yes, very good, Curtis. I've run into those crazies all over the country. They're still out here, huh? Oh, they're still out but there. But this, uh, this uh, the Queers for Palestine, This is are they a problem? Is it an issue? What is? Well, uh, no, they need to be confronted. It's like, how can you be queer and for Palestine? Because all queers in the Middle East or the Persian Gulf seek sanctuary and asylum in Tel Aviv, in Israel. Right. There's nowhere else for them to go. 
You know, they need to be confronted. And your friend, Michael Rappaport, I give him credit for being at that kibbutz in Israel and showing solidarity as one tough Jew. But remember what the, he said the, to me there's and always others. A but, but, you know, there's always a but. That's I give, right. I give your friend, the great actor, Michael Rappaport, who called in yesterday from a kibbutz where they savaged babies and young girls in a Jewish community. So Curtis, who's got such a big heart, he said, I give your friend credit, but, but right. what? He's one tough Jew. At Jewish people. By the way, I don't like non-Jews referring to Jewish people as Jews. I do not like non-Jewish people referring to Jewish people as Jews. You say Jewish, Jewish people, Jewish person. I find it condescending. The Jew, the Jews, Jewish, Jewish you can get the extra syllable out. You know, schmuck, Rappaport, the last person to say that was George Santos, remember? He did. I'm Jewish. Right, he did say that. What the hell is wrong with this guy? I just complimented him. You're one tough Jew, right? In, in, in the in the annals of history, Jake LaMotta, the toughest said, oh, I know a lot of your peeps are saying, what do you mean, Jake LaMotta? He was a, a Italian. No, yeah, he was Jewish. Joe, right. He was Jewish. And then Yuri Forum. I saw that fight that he had with Miguel Cotto in Yankee Stadium. His whole leg was damaged. He was falling down. He got up. What a tough Jew from Belarus. Orthodox Jew. That was one hell of a tough Jew. I actually spent a whole day with Yuri Foreman. I can't believe we just mentioned this guy. Uh, going back less than a decade ago, when I was living in Boca at the JCC in Miami, and uh, he talked about that fight against Cotto. Hadn't won a fight, I think, uh, in a while. Hasn't fought since. But I actually met, sat, and talked. And what a wonderful guy he is. Uh, do you You're agree? One, one tough Jew, right? One tough Jew. All right. And then, this is my post from years ago. You hear this, Michael Rappaport? One tough Jew by Curtis Slewa. We took my son Carter, along with his brother Hunter, to a tough man contest at Gold's Gym in Whippany, New Jersey. Carter watched guys picking up cars, then started lifting his own weights. This kid is going to become one tough Jew. What is wrong with being a tough Jew and not allowing Gentiles to acknowledge what one tough Jew is like Sid Rosenberg, who has been anointed now King David of the Jews here. Oh, I can't say Sid Rosenberg, one tough Jew. I got to say, oh, he's he's never she. He's schlubby. He's a schmendrick. He's a pitcher. Oh, he's complaining. He's a male yenta. No. Men out there, if you're Jews, Grow a pair. I don't care if you had three bristles by the moyer who was shaking with the Ginsu knife in his hand while he was blindfolded. It's time for Jews to be tough. Remember the battle cry. Every Jew are 22. WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Sit and friends in the morning. 
Back here at uh, 739 on your Friday morning. Still to come, Andrew Giuliani, Joe Tacopina, Mike Waller. Story about last night's big event with me and Lewis in uh, Woodbridge, New Jersey. And a little tribute to my son, Gabriel, who's had a, a terrific week. So, you know, years ago during COVID, when um, me and Bernie, God rest his soul, my partner, who I do miss every day, we uh, we were coming into work. Nobody else was doing that. Boomer was home, and Gio was home, and the afternoon show was home, and nobody was coming to work. Not I don't believe even 1010 Wins or CBS 880 came to work. We were here. We weren't here, actually, at the time. We were still working at Madison Square Garden. I was the only person day after day, the only person on the one-train platform, all alone. Literally. It was, it was the creepiest, eeriest time of my life. But there was one guy... Besides, Bo Deedle also showed up live, because Bo's got a set of balls, that was on the show with me and Bernie quite a bit. Happens to be Andrew Ansbro, the president of the Uniformed Firefighters Association. He didn't come in, but he called, and he was on quite a bit, because we were curious to see how life was going for the cops and the firemen and all the responders and folks out there that were, A, attending to sick people, and B, trying to keep the rest of us safe because it was just the wild, wild west. Criminals and homeless, they were the only folks out on the street. So uh, we became friendly with Andrew a couple of years ago. And Andrew is back in the news now because of the latest budget cuts from the mayor. Now, you called us, me and Bernie, many times. I don't think we've ever met. We never met, right? No, we haven't. I'm really handsome, aren't I? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> You're the second most handsome guy in the room. I like what you did there. Very good. You do. You look great, by the way. It's a good-looking suit. You got the pin. You got the nice purple shirt. I like it. Well, it's very nice to meet you, buddy. How are you? I'm doing all right. All right, good. I know, of course, uh, that you represent all these courageous firefighters. My next-door neighbor, I live in Queens, my next-door neighbor is a guy named Billy Felton. He works out of Brooklyn. He's, he's got hurt last year. And he's got a beautiful wife, Jackie, and three beautiful kids. And uh, I worry about him and all the firefighters because with these budget cuts, knocking off one of the five could hurt some of my friends. So Billy Felton's name comes up. Make sure he's going to be okay. But on a serious note, these Eric Adams budget cuts, what does that mean for your folks? Well, 20 of the, 20 of the busiest engine companies around the city are staffed with the fifth additional firefighter. It's to help uh, get a hose in place faster, knock the fire down faster. They put them in the busiest areas. Uh, the firehouse I used to work in in Harlem, 58 engine. Uh, they also put them in strategic areas like 65 engine, which is uh, nearby on 43rd Street. So in, t- in the Midtown area, you need it because you don't know when the next engine company is coming. So that additional firefighter helps move the hose into place faster and knock the fire down quicker, and uh, you have a better chance of saving occupants. You talk about strategic. Like for the cops, for example, there are crime numbers, right? So I know where the crime is. And I'm sure the fire department, you've got fire numbers as well. But Absolutely. What, what would make a, a certain neighborhood, a certain neighborhood, more likely to have a fire? Like crime we know, right? Low income, drugs, those types of issues. Is it the same thing for fire? Well, you can have a fire basically anywhere. But in the areas that they picked, you're more likely to have uh, more running around where the, the next company may not be available. Or in certain areas where there are projects or high-rise buildings, you may need that additional engine company just to bring up additional hose into the building. 
because three firefighters carrying three hoses can only get so far down the hallway because the, the fourth firefighter has to stay with the rig and, and pump uh, the water. So when you say going down from five to four or four to three, you always have to remember one stays with the rig. But it also is a function of how many lengths of hose you can bring into the building. And sometimes losing that firefighter means you have to wait for that second company just to have the hose to reach the building. You know, the last thing you want is to stretch the hose and they force the door to the building. You, t- you, you charge the line, and next thing you know, you can't get through the door because wow. you're out of hose. Right. So that's why we wait. Oh, my God. So this is a big deal, all in an effort to save a million dollars per month. And you're saying, again, to reiterate, this may affect as many as 20 engine companies, right? This is 20 engine companies, but every fire has a response of a minimum of four engines. So people think as well, we have you know 193 engine companies, and potentially this is going to affect half the fires in the city because you have multiple engine companies going to a fire. It's going to affect the staffing at half the fires in the city. Now, there was a, f- a fifth alarm in the Bronx the other day at a, at a taxpayer, which is a, a store. Uh, four of the engine companies that responded were five firefighter engines, so they were short four firefighters at that scene because of these cuts. Wow. We're only a couple of years removed, too, and uh, Danny Nigro is a good friend of mine. He was still the commissioner. Now, of course, it's uh, Kavanaugh. I like her, too. I, I like both commissioners. I like Eddie and Laura. You, too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Good. A um, couple of years removed from that NYCHA fire in the Bronx, and right. that was a disaster. That was caused, I guess, by a lithium-ion battery. And, uh, again, this is your business, not mine, but right. I do my homework. And it turns out a lot of the fires that we see this time of year, especially, obviously, in the cold, are caused by those batteries, right? Absolutely. So what are we doing about that? Uh, well, they're trying to pass legislation to regulate the batteries, to see to it that people aren't using aftermarket batteries. Uh, and, you know, from my point of view and what I've seen, uh, legislation to get people to change their behavior is going to go about as well as the drug laws and the gun laws. <laughs> so realistically, you have to have uh, firefighters positioned properly to see to it that we can clean up the mess. In that Bronx fire, we know that two of the engines in the first two assignment would have been five firefighter engines, but the mayor had actually removed them. And we feel those two firefighters would have had a drastic effect in knocking the fire down sooner, but also getting the people out of that hallway. We lost 17 people in one fire. Having two additional people, we feel, would have made a difference. And we had that conversation with the mayor, and he immediately returned the fifth firefighter at the time because it just wasn't worth a million dollars a month to have another tragedy like that. So why is it worth it now? I guess, you know, they're claiming money's tight. But in a $7 billion budget deficit, we're talking about $1 million a month. To, to, in, in where I feel it's going to affect up to half the fires in New York City. It still isn't worth it. But for some reason, they're playing this game with our staffing. You know, I don't really know the budget. I don't get into all that stuff. That's way above my pay grade. I'm only five years removed from talking about uh, the Dolphins quarterback, you know. But it seems to me that fire, police, education... You should never touch those things, ever. Those Absolutely three specifically, not. fire, police, education, I don't care. Where else you get the money from? I don't care. But those three should be like a great player. They call them untouchable. Right? You agree with that, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, mistakes and, uh, and tragedies can't be undone. You know, you can always find more money under the couch somewhere, but you can't bring back someone that's lost. So is it fair to say now that uh, although the mayor did restore it a couple of years ago after the Schneider fire, that right now, because of this quote-unquote migrant, I call it illegals crisis, that he's in no mood to talk? Well, they haven't gotten back to us on restoring it, and uh, we are hoping that there won't be a tragedy that will make it uh, put, put more in the public eye that this is something that he's done. 
and uh, we're hoping that uh, they figure something out and come up with some money to get this. Uh, Isn't this that sad, though, Andrew, that you almost, and of course you're not hoping for this, nobody is, obviously, but you almost need a tragedy at this point to prove to the mayor what he's doing is stupid and dangerous. You almost need a tragedy. How sad is that? Well, unfortunately, in our business, uh, you know, the next fire fatality is just around the corner. Yeah. But if, uh, well, how many firefighters a year die from uh, at the, on the job here in New York? Is there a statistic? I'm not sure there is, but right. It, obviously, uh, it's not a steady line of how many pass away, but it, it's not uh, unheard of to lose a firefighter every couple of years due to uh, every couple of years. Well, at you know, at an actual structural fire. Right. I mean, I, I live in uh, in Bell Harbor in Queens with uh, Lewis. Right. And uh, not far from my house, they renamed 129th Street this year, Timothy Klein Way. I uh, actually take the shuttle home from the ferry, and I pass by Klein's parents' house. I remember when he died, it was such an unbelievable show of support. I mean, my whole community, Andrew, are firefighters, cops. Every driveway for miles had 10 firefighters, 30 firefighters. And then the house, Klein's parents' house, there was this beautiful bouquet of flowers. The Rangers, he loved the hockey Rangers, FDNY. And I know his father, I don't know his dad, never met him to this day, also a proud firefighter. His brother, I guess his whole family. But that one particularly hit our community and I think New York very hard. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. It's, it's always a tragedy to lose a uh, first responder. And I've met the Klein family. They're wonderful people. And uh, they want to stay involved with the union and the FDNY and help uh, make improvements and see to it that their son's passing wasn't in vain. But, you know, these tragedies, are, you know, they're just that. They're tragedies. But it, well, if we come across a case where a firefighter passes away and, and we feel that having that had they had the fifth firefighter and they would have had them three weeks ago, if we feel that affects it, there's going to be a serious problem in the city. So do you think, uh, as you wrap up this great conversation, a very important conversation, you were great with Rosanna Scott a couple of days ago, too. I know I love her. Uh, do you think that the mayor will come to his senses, or do you think the money situation is so bad, this is it? Well, we're keeping the public pressure on it, and we are hopeful, and we're hopeful that uh, there's a turnaround before it's too late. It's when you say public pressure, on with me is a big deal, obviously. Absolutely. On with Rosanna is a big deal, too. That's basically your public pressure is? Well, we've been running advertising and speaking to other politicians about this and great, you know, speaking to the public and putting on things on social media, highlighting in our fires uh, where the fifth firefighter would have been there and how it could have been effective. Well, I got to tell you, the uh, these guys are very lucky. How long have you had this position now? It's got to be almost a decade, right? Oh, no, no. I, I've been here since uh, 2020, since COVID. Since oh, COVID. really? Yes. Because uh, remember, it started with COVID. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, you well, I got the... a lot of airtime around that time. Yeah, so. you did. You're on with me and Bernie all the time. The president of the Uniformed Firefighters Association, Andrew Ansborough, and you are a terrific ambassador for these uh, brave folks. So good luck in your efforts to uh, you. to get it done. It needs to get done. Hey, Adams, you know, he, he listens to me, the mayor. You need to, you need to fix this. I mean, enough of this nonsense. Don't mess with the fire, the cops, and our kids. Everything else up for grabs. Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're the man, Andrew Ansbro, right here. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. To my friends. 77 WABC.
hanging around You're tired of living in your one-horse town You'd like to find a little hole in the ground Stare at the junkies and the closet queens. It's like some pornographic magazine, and you smile. This is an anthem song, Billy Joel, classic Billy Joel, 7.57 on your Friday morning. I do want to get to congestion pricing with Andrew Ansbro as well, the president of the Uniformed Firefighters Association. So he's going to join us again next week. I do love this song. I guess if I had to rate my favorite Billy Joel songs. Let me guess. I know one. What's number one? Summer Highland Falls. Bang. It's either sadness or euphoria. You nailed it. Number two, I got to tell you, there's like three or four songs. I got to figure out the order, but Vienna <laughs> is right there. You you knew that, right? You're laughing. I know that was up there. Yeah, Vienna. Uh, this one, Captain Jack. Believe it or not, I don't know why it's lame, but I like that song, These Other Times. Oof. I know. It's, a, it's one of his worst songs, but I like it. See, the whole Stranger album for me is great. Only the Good Die Young stranger just the way you are that's and then again glass houses see i don't love still rock and roll to me but i do love all felina forget it that's that's another one right yeah yes that's up there and then i love 52nd street half a mile away zanzibar stiletto i love that one too so well, he's so good huh? they all pale in comparison to the downeaster alexa oh that is a great song <laughs> <laughs> not really but that's about his daughter Christy yeah. Brinkley. Alexa. Oh, you know what's a good song? Yeah, his daughter Alexa. Alexa right? Is uh, Good Night Saigon. I like that one, too. With yeah. the helicopter playing in the beginning. and It's just not long enough. Down in Paris. I know, it's a very <laughs> long song. <you're> right. <laughs> well, like, he, like I said, Captain Jack, too, some of his songs, like Bruce, are anthems. They're not just, you know, like Uptown Girls over in a fart. Right. Exactly. That's a it's crappy song. My no, God, is that terrible? Uptown Girl. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, just like Dancing in the Dark. That's a terrible song. No, it's not a terrible... It's an awful song. Why do you say that? Because it's not a Springsteen song. It's too commercial for you. It's just sounds like something that some stupid uh, hosier group... You know that right without now. without that song, Friends never would have happened. Never would have happened? No, Courtney Cox was the star of that show. Okay. No, she wasn't. Stars. Jennifer Aniston was the star. He she was, was the star. Okay. Don't you think? I mean, got a rank. Became the pretty much. She the, became the biggest the star. Biggest star. Yeah. But back the then, she didn't watch it back then. So neither. They were all even, well, I, I guess. A couple of times I would watch it. Yes. He re-recorded a lot of the early album songs for this 
songs in the attic for the live. Well, Billy did, yeah. Because he wanted them to sound better. Say goodbye to Hollywood? Yes. That's on there. Yep. He yep, wanted that's them there. to sound more like the way he envisioned Right, because some of the live. songs on Songs in the Attic, I think, were on turnstiles. Right. Including Summer Highland Falls. Yes. And they sounded, they he, he just wanted them to sound more like he was in a big yeah. arena. And uh, I don't think he got the sound in those early no. albums. They you know, if the Iron Man was still alive, he'd be saying right now, well, if you two guys want to work at Q104, yeah. just go get a job right there. Go head on there after Jim Carr. <laughs> I know. Nobody care. Thanks. I was starting to enjoy the conversation. It was great. That's, no, it was good. Till the Imus, I know. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that was a fun conversation. <laughs> that is why we're number one. Right? We just did the whole city thing, the firefighters. We did the Cuomo Adams thing with Curtis. We talked about Israel. Right. We took polls. Right, but what other show in this genre on any station is going to spend five minutes talking about Billy Joel? None. I don't know. We've got to ask Bill Handel's doing it Oh, right Bill now. Handel does that. Yes. He's you know, uh, this guy, <laughs> Bill Handel, this old bastard who beat me for the uh, the number one show in the country, this old mother effer, out in Los Angeles. So I didn't, I didn't know this because I never heard his show, but you're not going to believe this. He's 72 years old. He's a really wealthy guy. And he spends a lot of time, I hope Danielle's listening, and Margo, he spends a lot of time talking about his own penis. That's what I've been told. Who who told you that? Uh, It doesn't matter. In fact, he refers to his own penis because it's so small. As Mr. Bill. As a light switch. (laughs) He says, my light switch, my light switch, my light switch. Scandalous. Well, listen, he's 72. His show has to be boring as hell, but he's number one. Why is that? Because of his light switch. light switch. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a lesson to be learned, folks. The next poll is, what are you going to call yours? That's what we need. <laughs> Noam will have an answer oh, for that, God. Sure. Did we put the poll up yet for Cuomo? Not yet, right? We're working on that poll. Yeah. <laughs> now we're to work on the other one. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got to take a break. we got a 8 o'clock hour coming your way, which is going to be a very, very good one. Joseph Tacopina. Our big event in Woodbridge last night. And my son, Gaby. What a week for Gaby. All that. Coming back. From your head down to your toes. Oh, listen, your fingers gonna pick your nose. After all. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Did you see uh, Hunter? He went to the wrong place. He went to the Senate instead of the House. Everyone's saying, where's Hunter? See, it always goes, where's Hunter? What a, what a two-tier system of justice we have. If that was me who went to Capitol Hill and did a press conference on literally the, the front stairs about 20 feet away from the committee I was supposed to appear in, I would be in shackles before I left Washington, D.C. Do not be fearful. If you believe your philosophy brings people more freedom, 
Do not be fearful that you could lose your job over it. Do it anyways. I would do it all again. Former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy offering his farewell to Congress. McCarthy was removed as Speaker back in October after he had made an agreement with the White House not to cut federal spending as much as conservatives had wanted. McCarthy has not said what he plans to do following his retirement from Congress. Nassau County Republicans have picked their candidate to run for the congressional seat after George Santos was expelled from the House. Mozzie Pillip will challenge Democrat Tom Suozzi in February's special election for New York's third congressional district. She is currently serving in the Nassau legislature as a Republican, but she is, and here's the interesting part, also a registered Democrat. While former Representative George Santos does cameo videos, prepares to go to trial for corruption and wages war on the House members who helped oust him from Congress, New York Republicans are moving forward. They are expected to announce, as you said, Mozzie Pillip as their pick to run in February's special election to fill the seat left vacant by Santos. The 44-year-old is a mother of seven who lives in Great Neck, currently serving in the Nassau legislature. Now, Philip is an Ethiopian Jew who served in the Israeli Defense Forces before moving to the U.S. in 2005. The registered Democrat previously campaigned alongside MAGA Republicans and endorsed George Santos in his race for Congress. Philip was selected during a secret meeting from a group of about 20 candidates. The formal announcement expected to happen at noon in Massapequa. Philip will challenge Tom Swazi. He's the Democratic pick on February 13th. New information on a steer that got loose in New Jersey and then made its way to Newark Penn Station. The animal now safely back in custody. Witnesses at Newark Penn Station steering clear as the six to seven hundred pound animal prepared for a morning commute. Everybody was just scattering, scattering in a bull. Just ran past. From a safe distance, stunned onlookers used cell phone cameras to capture the bizarre sight. The steer left Newark Penn heading south, making it more than two miles, mostly by rail, to Freeland Heisen Avenue near Weequake Park. Witnesses watched as Newark police and Port Authority officers tried to corral the beast. He was trapped inside there. They had to close the gate, and then he was trying to run out. And then they, every time he tried to come out, they was running, you know, because, you know, them horns. Eventually, the steer was subdued with a tranquilizer and transported out in a trailer. It's likely the steer escaped en route to a Newark slaughterhouse. His future seems brighter after breaking out. New Jersey transit rail traffic is back to on or close to schedule. The folks at the animal sanctuary have already named that steer Ricardo. What went into wanting to structure your contract the way that you did and was this something that you wanted to do with whatever team you signed with? そうですね。ま、元々後払いっていうのはま、どの選手も大型契約になると作くものではあるので、そのパーセンテージに関してはまとは先週に1年するというところではありますし、ま、そこを含めてま、自分が今受け取れる金額を我慢してま、ペイロ
and that's going to help the Dodgers and be able to sign better players and make a better team. I felt like that was um, worth it, and I was willing to go that direction, so that's why I made that choice. Today is the second annual Dyspraxia DCD America Radiothon. Danielle, you've done a magnificent job. But this charity was inspired by my son, Gabriel, who was diagnosed as a little boy with dyspraxia. What is your message? My message is um, no matter all the limitations, setbacks, people who make fun of you, just keep trying to do what you want to do. Um, whether it's, you know, playing a sport, trying to open a can, trying to tie your shoes, just keep trying and I promise you, you'll get it because repetition is just, it's, it helped me so much and if you practice enough, it'll help you too. Hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. We love you so much. Is that even a word to describe it? You know that, right? It's been a very rewarding journey for me and mommy because uh, there were times we were nervous and we weren't sure. There were times and, I was nervous, too. Of course. But um, to your credit, you've erased all that. And uh, now, now we think you can do anything you want. We do. We love you. Love you, too. Now, you made me cry. Picture yourself in a boat on a river With tangerine trees and marmalade skies Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly A girl with kaleidoscope Diamonds, that remains a theme of today's show. That was uh, what they were selling last night in Woodbridge, New Jersey. And I'll get to that momentarily, but you heard that open. You had Donald Trump talking about the two-tiered system with Hunter Biden, who just refused the subpoena to testify uh, in that depot. He didn't do it. And then, uh, then you heard Eric Trump say, hey, man, you know, if this was me, and the case is for Eric and Don Jr., we'd go right to jail, and he's right. Then you heard from Kevin McCarthy. That's about over, the former Speaker of the House. It's now Mike Johnson. He is set to retire. Then um, then after that, you heard about this Mozzie Pillip girl, Anthony D'Esposito, congressman out of Long Island, big-time guy now, big-time guy. He's going to join us coming up at 930 and talk about Mozzie. She is the Republican choice to take on Tom Swazi February the 13th in that special election in the effort to fill George Santos's seat. And Mozzie needs to win. We've already got a very, very, very slim margin in the House. We cannot afford to lose that seat. So hopefully the uh, powers that be, Joe Cairo, Peter King, I don't even know who makes that decision. I really don't. But hopefully they pick the right person. She seems very impressive. IDF, believe it or not, Ethiopian Jew, already active in national politics. But what confuses me is 
She's a registered Democrat. No, what is that all about? I wish I knew. I don't know. Maybe it's just to the district is more blue than red. Yeah. So that's the appeal. And but then, she's a Republican politician. It's she weird. is, but she's not going to change parties. That's what she said yesterday. Why not? I don't know. Does that help her or hurt her? I think it hurts her. Maybe uh, this is the gamble they're taking. There's a lot of Jewish voters in that district that might switch from Democrat to Republican and vote yeah. for her. So yeah. maybe that's some of the thought. All right. Um, but smarter people than me probably know. The well, answer. yeah, we'll talk to Anthony Desposito. He's smarter than you. He's coming up at uh, 930. Then we talked about uh, we have the story about the the bull that was on the loose. Can somebody tell me how a bull ends up at Newark Penn Station? How could that possibly happen? This happens every couple months. We have a story like this. The last time was in Queens. This one, they think it was a Newark slaughterhouse. Honestly, they don't really know where it escaped from, but it ended up on the train tracks in Newark Penn Station. Well, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. How close is the nearest New York slaughterhouse to the train tracks at Penn Station in Newark? Uh, not far. Not far. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's uh, feasible then. So we had the bull story. And then uh, you heard there from Otani and his, what do you call that person who translates into English? Interpreter, I guess. Otani decided he signed a $700 million deal to play for the Dodgers, and he deferred, you ready for this, $680 million. He's only going to collect $20 million over the next 10 years. So a $700 million deal has been reduced to $2 million a year. Now, mind you, he's smart because when the playing days are over, the commercials go away. Right now he's making 40 or $50 million on commercials. Are you going to retire and collect $680 million? He's smart. And the Dodgers were willing to do it. So you heard about that. And then at the very end, you heard from Gaby. And my son, Gabriel, against all odds, our son, I know Danielle's listening. Our son, against all odds, not only made his JV high school basketball team, but in their first effort of the season, which resulted in a win, mind you, a couple nights ago, Gaby got big minutes, even started the second half. And if you would have told that doctor, as I said earlier, at Miami Children's Hospital 14 or 13, excuse me, 13 years ago, that my son would be starting the second half on his high school basketball team. He would have said I was nuts, but he did. So we are really proud. And as I said earlier, you know, the the amount of folks on social media that said nice things, I put up a picture that Danielle took. I was not at the game. I was at the Noah lighting. A picture of my son bringing the ball down the court because he played point guard and center that night. And posted the picture. And the amount of people that said the most beautiful things, as I said earlier this morning, warms my heart. For all the tax that social media deservedly gets, because there's a lot of low lives on there. And I experience it every day in every one of these. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I get some really, really nasty stuff. It's okay. But I got to tell you, the messages about our son, Danielle, was so beautiful that it made my heart warm. And then last night, Lou and I made the trek. Lou did the driving. Thank you, Louis. He looks good. This picture looks He looks cool in this picture. He does, wow. right? He looks like he's been playing a while. Yeah. Wow. 
What is that that he said at the end of the open? They said hard work rewards. Hey, it sounded like some philosopher said that or something. He was well. Really I think he did repeat profound. that. Yeah, it was profound. Okay. Well, well he's you know, know even if he repeated somebody's I know. statement, it's it was cool. I'm like, wow. Well, you know what it is uh, with Gabriel. He's an old soul. You know he. He likes old classic rock music. Right. He will bring up something like that, something as profound as that, which most 15-year-old kids, you know, they're still talking about SpongeBob, you know. Yeah. So he does that type of stuff. But last night we went out to Woodbridge, New Jersey, me and Lou, and, you know, I was expecting it to be as lame as most other radio events. They're lame. You know, you show up, you make um, lousy money. And then, like, you know, six or seven of the chronic listeners come walking in, and they annoy the hell out of you for two hours. And to be honest, it's awful. But I went out there last night, and in the car on the way there, I said, Lou, get ready. It's going to be brutal. He said, man, I think you're selling yourself short. I think you're underselling what you mean to these people, what we mean, this show. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I think it's going to be packed. I go, get out of here. So after uh, about a two-hour trip, we pull up. Just before 6 o'clock at this beautiful place. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous place. The Woodbridge Jewelry Exchange in the Lux Building. And we pull up and we start walking towards it. And Lou goes, oh, my God, all I see are employees. I go, see, I told you. I told you. (laughs) Then we walk in. (laughs) There's a line of people. I mean a line of people that I've never seen at a radio event before. And I've done radio events with Imus, Opie and Anthony, you name it. Mike and the Mad Dog. Never Imus, I don't believe, but there was a line that you never saw. It was unbelievable. And what was more amazing was this line never relented for two hours. It kept going. Right, Lewis? People just kept showing up. And, I, okay, more pictures. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I know you. I remember we met back in. Uh... Oh, I love when they do that. I know they expect me to remember. And look, uh, uh, certainly I don't want to take all the credit because two of my colleagues here, both terrific guys and great talents, Frank Morano and Ernie Anastas, were there. And who doesn't love those guys? But let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting. Yeah. Wait. So after you, would you say? Who came second in terms of the people that were showing up? The fans? That doesn't really matter no, no. at that point. I mean, <laughs> really, I mean, I know you want to cause trouble here. No, between me and Ernie or me and Frank, but I'm not a fact-finding mission. <laughs> <Yeah. curious. laughs> I'm going to say it was, I'm going to do the old, uh, I love both my kids the same. I'm going to say it was even. How about that? Okay. It's a pussy answer, I know, but I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to play your reindeer games and uh, cause any trouble at the station because I love everybody. I'm just pointing out a fact that. Now we'll get the other half, Noam. Now he's going to point out that they were all there for him. No, no, that's not. In fact, I actually saw two people walk in wearing the other side of Midnight T-shirts. Of course. Which you had to know that Frank had him in his car and begged him to change in the parking lot. (laughs) Everybody was like, I'll take a picture with Frank. Anyway, that's not important, please. So these people were so sweet. I told you this earlier. They they thank us, me and Lou. But it's not like your everyday thanks. It's like there were two men, and Lou could attest to this. One guy showed up with his son, Julius. Another guy had his son there, too, Brandon Lord. But uh, Julius's father and one other guy, this is true, they were crying. No, I swear to you, they literally were crying, thanking us 
for what we do every day, how important our voices are, what we mean to them, uh, thanking me for talking about my family, his son has an issue. They were crying. And I'm like, this is above and beyond any fan appreciation that I've ever seen. I mean, you saw that last night, did you not? It was crazy. I, I the, the very emotional, some of them, and it's the, it, they were all great. Everybody was really nice and great, including all of the vendors and everybody that ran the event. It was great. But the, they are huge fans, and they know the show, yeah. and they've been following you, and uh, they're just, they have a lot of of uh it's they're invested in the show they, they just do. love it they, they love do it. lisa orban who's uh the sales girl that got this done and uh she's awesome i've known lisa since the wnew days met her back then 23 years ago when scott kaplan sid rosenberg craig carton sid rosenberg hosted mornings big big station back then leslie gold the radio chick Don and uh, Ron and Fez, Don and Mike, Opie and Anthony. I've known Lisa for 23 years. She's a Hall of Famer. She did a great job last night. She made it happen. Awesome. She was great. Great job. Uh, Leon Temis, he um, he is the guy that owns it. Actually, used to work uh, on Curtis uh, Sleewood's Guardian Angel team. Philip Montanez, the marketing coordinator. Erica Giuliano, she was terrific, the marketing manager. Aiden Actemir, the operations director. And a whole bunch of folks. I do want to... I point out Larry Erdman. I've known Larry Erdman from Sheepshead Bay for my Solomon Schechter days for 40 years. And he has uh, he has uh, one of the shops there. He's a vendor. And uh, Doug, Doug from uh, Ray Katina. What a great guy he is, too. So anyway, it was a wonderful event. It really exceeded all of my expectations. And then, as I said uh, earlier, when the event was over, we were hungry. It was late, you know. So Lou and I made our way to uh, Applebee's. Like I said, nothing speaks to romance more than uh, Lou Ruffino and Sid Rosenberg eating a dinner at Applebee's. No idea where we are. Too. No idea at uh, 8.30 on a Thursday night. <laughs> but then we did cap off the night by having great sex in the car, and then we drove home. Yeah, depends <laughs> on your definition. Great. <laughs> it did cap off, it capped off the night. No, we had a good time. The music was great. Back and forth. We had some great discussions, Louis and I. But all in all, congratulations to Lisa Orban and the Woodbridge Jewelry Exchange. Well done. Well done. And uh, that's that. Still to come, Joseph Tacopina, Andrew Giuliani, and Anthony D'Esposito. We got three great guests still coming your way. Sitting friends in the morning. Down to the last week before Christmas 2023. More of the Beatles. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. You will not hire anyone from Harvard, UPenn, or MIT until the school's dean stepped down. Has anyone from these schools applied to work with you? Yeah, well, after I, first of all, we already have Harvard grads, so they're, they're grandfathered in. But uh, in the Penn dean, President McGill, she stepped down. Uh, yeah, a lot of people reached out, but... I, you know, I think it's not only me. I think a lot of leaders have to do it. It was disgusting what those uh, deans and presidents did under oath. 
Uh, makes no sense to me. I don't know how, if you can't condemn genocide, I don't care whether we're talking Jews, Muslims, any group of people, then you don't deserve to be, you know, in a position of power. You got to get out. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. One of my favorite Christmas songs right here. That was the voice of Dave Portnoy, who made a lot of money with Barstool Sports, sold it, now he bought it back. And um, he talked about how he's not going to hire any of these snot-nosed kids from these Ivy League Universities, and I would hope that everybody does that. You know, I'm about to talk to Joe Tacopini here in two seconds. Joseph owns, uh, owns. He's the man at uh, his own law firm, and he's got some great lawyers around him, Chad Siegel, Matthew DiOrio. They're great. They're great. I mean, it's not as good as Todd, but they're great. But I would hope that Tacopini, Idala, my wife Danielle, she's got her own law firm. I would hope all these people don't hire anybody from these universities who have done any of this stuff. I'm not saying blackball every kid at these universities, but I got a picture of you at some pro-Palestinian rally. You went working in my office. I don't care if you're the valedictorian. Remember that girl who actually was that? At the uh, New York Law School, which Alan Dershowitz says on this show every week is the worst law school in the country, not just because of their politics, but just academically. This young lady... Excuse me. This animal got up there, made her speech, and destroyed America, Israel, democracy, all of it. She should never get a job in the United States. Let her go to Gaza. I'm being serious. Go to Gaza or one of these other countries in the Middle East that hates the Jews and work there. They need lawyers there, too. I'm sure they do. She should never get a job. But she will in New York because, as we see time and time again, whether it's 5,000 in Bay Ridge the Williamsburg Bridge, the Brooklyn Bridge. You want to hate any group, you come here. New York is your place. You want to march the streets defending George Floyd? I know George Floyd was murdered. I know that. And I'm glad that cop is going away for the rest of his life. I don't care about that silly movie Miranda Devine tried to sell me. That guy murdered George Floyd. But George Floyd was a lowlife. It was garbage. Put a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach, arrested nine times, didn't deserve to die, but certainly you don't turn the country upside down for that guy. But these kids still marched, BLM. January 6th wasn't an insurrection, but every night in the summer of 2020 it was. Look, January 6th was a bad day. I would tell Trump right to his face, he's a good friend of mine now. It was. He didn't do it, but it was embarrassing, it was bad. But it wasn't an insurrection. But you know what was? When they burned down a police station in Minneapolis. When they beat up people in the streets in Chicago, Atlanta, Portland, New York City. Those were insurrections. Not January 6th. All because of Floyd. And now you got this. These same kids who marched in those are marching in these. They just need a cause. They need something. Something is missing at home, clearly. But if you're a a big-time business person, 
Do not hire these people. People say to me all the time, how do you fix it? Money! The only reason why Liz McGill is no longer the president at Pennsylvania is money. You think all of a sudden they woke up one day and said, oh, my God, you were not bad of the Jews? They don't care about us. They don't care for Moscow's all of us. They care about the checks. And at Pennsylvania, that became an issue. At Harvard, where this disgusting, despicable Claudine Gay is still the president, they're not losing money. So she's staying. Mind this, too. Liz McGill is still getting paid by Pennsylvania. Still. So we didn't win that one either. So Takapina is about to join me momentarily. All you other business leaders and lawyers, that's how you hurt them. Don't hire these animals. Don't do it. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. All right, folks, don't forget, season of hope. Coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, talking about the Tunnel to Towers. And it's funny, Judge Janine, my dear friend there, mentioned James Howard. You're going to hear from James Howard coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Your chance to donate today, as you should do every day. Just go to T2T.org, T2T.org. Donate just $11 a month and pay off a mortgage or build a house for one of America's heroes. My next guest is a hero. He is the best defense attorney anywhere in the world, and I know he was paying attention to my rant moments ago, when he's going to do that, he ain't going to hire these bad peoples from all these uh, big-time universities. It's my main man, Joseph Takapina. Joseph, good morning, buddy. How are you? So that was amazing. Um, that really, you know, we joked and we have fun with each other, but that was that was you at, at your best right there. I mean, you you, you put it all together. Um, it's true. It's disgusting what's going on. Um, how 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 people can get away with spewing hate, spewing anti-Semitism, racism, whatever it is. And, and, and then be expected to be accepted in the higher echelons of our society is mind-boggling to me. It's mind-boggling. And it's just, uh, it, it's, it's got to stop. I mean, I teach at Harvard Law School. Um, you know, I'm, I'll be up there in about a week and a half. Um, and I'm curious to see the atmosphere there um, because it's, 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 I mean, when people have to hide menorahs at night, so they're not vandalized. And yeah. it's, we're really, we're really in an upside down world. You know, it's funny. Way, you know, you, you teach at Harvard, which is very prestigious, and just goes to show how impressive you are as an attorney. And I actually went to visit Harvard years ago. My my daughter Ava, your your friend Ava, she took yeah. a summer class at Babson College in Boston, and we went to we had to pick her up and take her home. Me, Danielle, and Gabe, and we visited Harvard. And what struck me was right across the street from the entrance to the university is the oldest church in America, the oldest church. And on on that church, they had a gay pride flag. They had a BLM flag. And I'll be honest, I was pissed. I'm like, I should know better. It's a liberal university. It's Harvard. But come on, man. I mean, really. And yet, and yet, that's okay. The gay flag, the BLM flag. But if you're Jewish, that's no good. It's right across the street, Joseph, from the entrance to the university. Yeah, we're just we're up we're just upside down. This world is just upside down right now. I mean, even even the George Floyd thing, you said it right. The outrage there. Look, George Floyd was murdered. You you nailed it. Murdered by that cop. That that wasn't a cop. That was a murderer who did more damage to the good police officers of this country than any other cop has ever done. Well okay? said. Because their 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 jobs were now made much harder. Their lives were put in jeopardy. As you see, there were shootings of executions of cops right after that. Right. Um. But but you know when people were 
were, you know, sort of making a martyr out of George Floyd. George Floyd was a, a not a good guy. No. He should not have been killed. No. He should not have been killed, whether no. he was white, black, pink, or whatever. But, but you know, people were breaking and vandalizing cities uh, over George Floyd. They, they should do it because an innocent man was murdered, innocent in that regard anyway. Um, but he was certainly not someone to embrace as a martyr and build statues. Oh, God, no. I mean, you're tearing down Thomas Jefferson and George Washington statues. They've got a statue of George Floyd. How about Columbus? So, How about Columbus? And Columbus, thank you. Well, well, you. well, you know I've been very active with all those guys, uh, chairs, and for years I was yeah. out there and, and trying to save that. It really is yeah. it's grotesque. So uh, I, could, I know right now, Joseph, and again, you've got great partners and Chad and Matt and all those guys, but... Uh, your law firm, the Takapina Law Firm, you ain't never going to hire one of these folks, right, ever? In a million years, never, because the, the, the content of someone's character is so much more important than their intellectual abilities. Yeah, everyone at Harvard, Yale, Princeton, wherever they go, you know, obviously they're at the upper, upper echelon of intelligence in this country, okay, from that point. Um, I take great pleasure. You know, had I applied to – I teach at Harvard Law School. said, so had I applied to Harvard Law School – they would have called the police. Okay? <laughs> I mean, so I take such great pleasure in wiping courtrooms with Harvard lawyers yeah, yeah. because they're detached at some point. And but but this is something that I find I find just amazing um, that that this could even be considered or embraced. So no, I would never hire a hate monger. I would never hire um, a racist, an anti-Semite, or anything else. And it, it covers all color barriers. And I just am shocked that these people are embraced or, or put up on a pedestal. Yep. I mean, if you listen to some of these speeches, it's not about being just and making sure that, that you know, there's not oppression. It's about, it's about supporting anti-Semitism. It's about supporting terror. And it's, it's just hard to listen to sometimes and hard to listen to. And I don't see the, the appropriate outrage that's being sparked Agreed. by some, no. We would never hire anyone like that again. No, I agree too. You made a couple of you made a couple of great you made a couple of great points in these a few minutes. But on Joseph, including not enough outrage. There's just not. There's just not. Uh, Joseph Takapina. So I was. Um, um, I guess it was kind of funny this week. You know, Donald Trump, uh, your client, doing court Monday for this uh, civil case with Alina Haba, and he's going to testify. He's going to testify, and then we find out, of course. Just a couple of hours before, he wasn't going to testify. And then a couple of days later, I heard the same thing about Rudy Giuliani on his Georgia case in Washington, D.C. He's going to testify. He's going to testify. And then he doesn't testify. So in the same week, we heard that both yep. Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani were both going to testify, which, by the way, I thought were both bad ideas. And as it turned out, neither testified. I guess you weren't surprised. No, I mean, it would be malpractice to put either of them on a witness stand in a civil case. When they're both President Trump facing four indictments, four, um, and 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 you know Giuliani with one indictment and one where he's named an unindicted co-conspirator, the exposure on cross-examination would be so devastating. Their criminal lawyers would be rolling over in you know just I mean you can't allow that. That's just malpractice 101. So these are civil cases. Look, let's let's break them down. In, in, in Trump's case, in, in the civil case in New York, okay, that case is the writing's on the wall. It's a fait accompli. This is going to be won or lost on appeal. You're not playing in front of this judge as a as a as a non-biased, uh, you know, fact finder. He's already determined you're a fraudster. Um, this is fraud. It's just about how much. It serves no purpose of him to get up there and 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 risk and expose himself to cross-examination on other things that would come in. It's a civil case. In a civil case, the bar is a lot lower, and the credibility cross-examinations are a lot broader um, because there are no criminal ramifications here, and there's no, you know, 
Fifth Amendment right. So it, it's a whole different thing. He'd have to get up there and be asked questions about his criminal proceedings and what, invoke the fifth or try to answer them. But I'll tell you, that would make, you know, John Law and Todd Blanche have strokes if he started answering questions <laughs> under oath about his criminal allegations. So he could never have testified. So, all you know, it's easier said than done. Everyone's testifying. Everyone's testifying until it's time to testify. When you get put under oath and you get questioned about things that are outside the scope of that limited part of your testimony that you want to give, because credibility on cross-examination is fodder for cross. It's fair game. With Rudy Giuliani, it's a completely different story. Um, that was not a good move all the way around. And, and I'm sorry for Rudy, but and I love Andrew, but, but he's not been getting, you know, the, the greatest advice to how he's handled this, because don't forget, this is another case where the judge has already found that he defamed these people, okay? Um, Rudy didn't respond. He didn't submit, you know, evidentiary um, requests and whatnot. So he was found already to have defamed them. It's now about how much. <clears throat> if you're really going to try this case, which Rudy's doing because he's showing up in court every day, the only way to do it is to say, listen, I'm sorry they got hurt or whatever. Rudy went outside and repeated the claim of defamation that he's on trial for right. by saying, I'm going to prove when I testify, I'm going to prove that everything I said about them was true. I'm going to prove it. Okay. The juries, you know, they don't live in a bubble, the jury, right? They're out there. They hear. They see. And then when you make that big proclamation, and then when the bell rings for you to prove it, you say, I'm not going to testify. It, it's really a bad look. It's a bad look. And being in that, the worst part is being in that courtroom every day and not walking up eight feet to that witness stand. If you're there, if, look, if you choose not to testify in a civil case, stay away. Stay away. And because you have no obligation to do it. Right. But if you're going to be there every day and then you don't testify, the message to the jury is, you don't want to. You're scared. Yeah. You know, you have exposure. That makes and it sense. was it wasn't a good look. And, and look sense. again, I think these cases nobody cares. These cases are both basically civil cases. This is not really the problem for either of these two gentlemen. Right. It's not the problem. They're both the problem facing the the, other Right. They're both facing criminal trials in Georgia together. In fact, that whole Rico Act nonsense. One more about sixty seconds to go. Another great appearance by my guy Joseph Takapina. And by the way, thank you again for Rangers Sabres for me and Gabe coming up on yeah. uh, December the twenty third. Thank you. You know the uh, the Biden uh, Justice Department had uh, no issue charging Navarro and my new good buddy Steve Bannon, holding them contempt, I should say. Here you got Hunter, who skipped out on a depot just a couple of days ago. Do they not have a an obligation if they're going to charge Bannon and Navarro with contempt? I know it's the president's son, but shouldn't he get that too? He has to. It's Look, it, it, Bannon was sentenced to four months in prison. Navarro's awaiting sentence. It's exactly the same thing. They basically ignored congressional subpoenas. Hunter Biden's doing the same thing, and it's really put Attorney General you know, Garland in a really bad spot, right? So does he shield Hunter and not, not pursue the things he pursued against Trump allies um, and, 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 you know, defy the law and, and exposing himself as just a partisan, you know, pawn? Or does he do what he should do, which is the same thing he did to these other individuals, despite the fact that they were on different political scales, right? The, 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 I'm sorry, the political fences. He should pursue. Look, subpoenas are legally enforceable and they're required to show up. Hunter Biden wants to do it publicly. Well, the witnesses do not get to dictate how a subpoena right. is going to be complied with, okay? They don't get to determine how the terms of their testimony is subpoenaed. If he doesn't show up, and Garland doesn't want to do anything. You know, honestly, Congress could could put him in. I mean, they can put him in. You know, it, it, they really could put him in. He could be well. He could wind up 
being put into jail by you know the, the Capitol Police. Right. I mean, actually, there's actually a, a mechanism for that. Um, so, um, and I say the Congressman House, if, if if you know he Merrick Garland will tell the House to intervene. If the House on Sergeant of Arms could toss him in jail, in the Capitol jail, for contempt. And, you know, I don't see how they don't do that if they did it with Bannon, with Navarro, and others. So it really has to be – you can't – look, because everyone is so heightened right now about the abuse and the bipartisan, you know, sort of nature of politics right now and, and how it, the, the, the political system is being used to persecute political opponents, right, the justice system, I should say. It's, and it's really, really uh, to the point where when things like this happen, it solidifies the belief of people who believe this is a corrupt system. Yep. And, it, it, and it, honestly, I'm there. I'm there, and I'm sad to say it because this is my, my life. Yep. That's what I do. But it's, 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 we're at the point now where what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. And, and it's unfortunate that we're at a point now where there's, you know, it's about partisanship, and it shouldn't be. Well said. Another amazing appearance, Joseph. I love you to pieces. That was really great, man. Really great. Have yourself a uh, a great weekend. Enjoy. I'm, I'll see you next week for lunch and uh, maybe a Ranger game as well. Anyway, you were terrific today. Thank you so much. Okay, brother. See you next week. That's my man, Joseph Takapina, right there, the best defense attorney in the country. Wraps up hour number three. We've got two great guests, Andrew Giuliani, Anthony D'Esposito, coming up this hour in what is Season of Hope. For Tunnel to Towers, you're going to hear from three very brave souls. Keep it right here. Season of Hope, hour number four, coming at you. It's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It in the Morning. Let me do that again. Hi, it's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It and Friends in the Morning on 77 WABC. Oh, and by the way, I am way more famous than See It. Fourth and final hour, you know, every Friday, the last couple of weeks, it's our Tunnel to Towers Foundation Season of Hope First Responder Friday. 
Every Friday, we set time aside to encourage you to raise money for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation during the Season of Hope. You can support America's heroes by donating just $11 a month. Do it right now at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. You're going to hear some of the families, recipients of the Tunnel to Towers, and hear where your dollars go to help these heroes. When you hear the interviews, you'll have a full understanding of the impact that the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has on the families and their communities, and, of course, first responders, catastrophically injured veterans, all these folks. So we've been doing it now for a couple of weeks, and this is your opportunity, the 9 o'clock hour every Friday, to really step up. Help these folks out. You know, a lot of these uh, ladies that I spoke to, you'll hear from three brave people this morning, lost their husbands, cops in Iraq and Afghanistan, all over the world. They have three or four kids. They are faced with a huge financial burden. How are they going to pay their mortgage? And you never want someone to lose their home, especially when their significant other died in the heroic fashion that they do. And Frank Siller and Tunnel to Towers make sure they won't do that. And all it takes is $11 a month. Folks, that's pennies a day. Pennies. You can't go right now and get a value meal at McDonald's for lunch for less than that. It's true. $11 a month. And you're going to help build a home for somebody that has been catastrophically injured or pay off a mortgage for somebody who lost their loved ones defending this country, whether on the streets of New York or in a lonely cave in Afghanistan. Do it. You want to do the right thing? A mitzvah Hanukkah just ended last night. Christmas. This is the time of year for giving, folks. We love to get. We all love to get. Give. There's no better feeling. And who deserves it more than these folks? T2T.org. You know, my MVP for Saturday night at that great Cipriani's New York Young Republicans event wasn't even Trump or Steve Bannon or Gates or any one of those folks. It was Andrew Giuliani. This guy, every person we met, he's like, this is Sid. He's the best in the country. He's number one. He did it all night. And he was sincere. And the president, my God, he spent a lot of time on Rudy, his father. Thank God he did. A lot of time. All deserve it. And the president gave Andrew a huge shout-out, talked about his golf game, what a smart guy he is. I was all too happy to see it. Here he is, usually on 740, but a rough schedule today. Kind enough to hop on right now, my dear friend, Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, good morning, buddy. How are you? Shit, I'm doing great. You know, I figured that when you uh, moved me to eleven uh, to 915 over here, that maybe your new best friend, Steve Bannon, was calling it <laughs> at 745. And I was really happy about that. I was like, this is great. The, the romance is, has really flourished. So it's great. It has. Now, he, uh, well, it's because of you. You did all of it. I had nothing to do with it. I, I walked over because you said, go. He likes you. And, of course, uh, you knew that it was right. And he actually loves me and loves this show. And he was great on the air this week. And um, I'm going to enjoy this friendship thanks to you, as many other folks along the way, including President Trump. You've been great with me with that, too. And, and I heard last night, by the way, Andrew, from Mike Sullivan and his lovely wife, Donna Sullivan, who's good friends with Danielle, that you were a rock star at the Bell Harbor Yacht Club. We just missed you, Sid. That was that was the deal. But we, it was a great event, the Rockaway Republican Club. They've really built kind of back up from scratch over here, and it's really impressive to see. I, I went out, I think, in April – 
to speak to the club, and it was a really nice showing. I know you've spoke to the club this year, but to see what uh, Mary Glenn and, and uh, you know, Tommy the Sullivans have been able to really build up along with uh, Paul King and everybody out there, it, it's really, really good. And, and, you know, the thing is, and I think you covered this so well last year. I know Curtis was on top of this. We were all on top of this. What they ended up doing to Tommy last year, I think, was one of the perfect cases of how you can actually steal an election right in front of somebody, right in front of uh, New Yorker's eyes. I mean, think about the fact that the that the judge's mother was or I should say the candidate's mother was on the Queen's Board of Elections and did not recuse herself in all this. And the judge who was helpfully appointed by the by the mother basically said, nope, there's no issues here, nothing to see. Let's keep on adding ballots and adding ballots. So when you think about the fact that it was 16 votes, 16 BS votes that we know that ended up costing Tommy the election, we got to make sure that uh, Tommy wins by hundreds and hundreds of votes. No, I, listen, that way I, they can't cheat him out of this. I agree. And the person that uh, Angela was talking about, her name is Stacy Pfeiffer Amato. And uh, she showed up at one of the two of the rallies that Curtis and I did, and, and I wouldn't even look at her. You know, I looked over. You know, obviously, uh, I'm good with uh, a lot of the politicians in my area, Joanne and all of them. I wouldn't even look at Stacey Pfeiffer, Amato. She was at something recently with me, too, and I was like, why is she here? She cheated. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. She cheated. But Tom Sullivan is too classy guy to say it. So that's why people like me, you, and Curtis, who are not very classy, we do say it. Um, <laughs> exactly. 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 So uh, Saturday night, that was um, that was pretty intense, uh, President Trump. But above and beyond how he treated us, and you were, your dad uh, specifically, he delivered about a 65-minute epic speech. And he just laid it out, man, all the issues, both international and domestic, that Joe Biden has caused all of these issues that were not an issue last, I don't know, three years ago when Trump was president, that Biden went out of his way to unravel. See, Biden came into office, you know this, and he said, no matter what Trump did, I've got to do the opposite, even if, even if it worked. And we know that almost all of Trump's policies worked. So Biden successfully has unraveled all of them, and that's why the country and the world is in the shape it's in now. And Trump did a great job of pointing that out, didn't he? Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about really the difference between Trump and Biden. And you can go through all the policies. And we know it. We've talked about it endlessly. And we'll continue to talk about it over the next 10 months, from energy independence to obviously our southern border to inflation. Now the Biden team is celebrating the fact that inflation is down from its peak, which Biden caused. By the way, it's still double where it was from where when Trump left office at 1.7 percent. Now it's still around two and a half to three percent, so over 50 percent from where it actually was. But one of the things that I saw as a real difference between Trump and Biden, I think he's starting to show this off because I've seen that his speeches have grown a little bit longer the last few times that I've watched him go up at rallies and when I've been at Mar-a-Lago and obviously the great event on Saturday night. Um, I think the reason why he's starting to show that his speeches are longer is because he's showing the difference in stamina between him and Biden. Biden can't even get through a four-minute speech (laughs) without basically saying they're going to be mad at me for saying this. Could you imagine, could you imagine, Sid, it even crossing Donald Trump's mind for a second, they're going to be mad at me oh, for saying that. No. Could you imagine? <laughs> no. Never crossed his mind. No. And, and the difference, and you're somebody who has incredible energy, 
stamina to come in every morning, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., to talk about everything from Donald Trump to Israel to talking with Joe Beningo about sports, to be able to cover all of that. You know, what you've done is you've taken your intellectual capacity, which is really tremendous, and I think you've shown that off over the last years at WABC, that you're not just a sports guy, but you're also extremely entertaining. It's very similar to Donald Trump's path, if you think about that, right? Trump was this guy who was an entertainer mostly, right? The Apprentice, people saw him from TV, obviously being this playboy in the 80s and 90s and this and that. But then wait a second. He's really been showing, okay, the issues with trade. What does that mean for America, the southern border? And all of a sudden, people start seeing, like, wait a second, you can actually take this incredible entertainment and use it as a way to inform people because it engages with people on a level that maybe your traditional politicians don't. So I see the parallels right there. I'm not saying that you need to start a presidential <laughs> committee right now, Sid. I'm just pointing out kind of well, That's great. No, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's not deserved. It's very sweet of you. I mean, there are some similarities. There's no doubt. It, and uh, to what you just said, Bernie years ago said to me, you know, how do you not like this guy? You're him. And uh, I told you that many, many times. That was a day when I said, you know what? You're right. I am him, and I've loved him ever since. So that was very nice, Andrew. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we've got um, – this is the season of hope. We do this uh, every Friday this hour. And I know this year I was very proud of you because you're very, very close with Frank Siller, the CEO over at uh, Tunnel to Towers. He loves you. And this year you did run the 5K. You did a very, very good job, Andrew Giuliani. I lived through it, and actually, as I was driving back from the Bell Harbor Yacht Club last night, I drove through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. I guess the Cary Tunnel is now, and I was driving up the up ramp, and it was probably only the second time I've driven through the tunnel since I ran it, and I was like, man, it's so much nicer to be driving in my car <laughs> up this ramp rather than running it. But, it, but I got to tell you, it is an incredible experience, and I know you've done it time before, but when you come out of that tunnel, and you see all of those, all the pictures of those first responders that gave their lives. First, the FDNY, when you think about Stephen Siller running through that and doing it, when you think about all these men and women. And then as you end up running around Battery Park, if you will, going toward the finish line, you see those members of the military that yeah. made the ultimate sacrifice for us. And it really is something that is incredibly moving. And when I think about Tunnel the to Towers, you know, they really are the number one philanthropy yep. uh, in the country and what they do. And, and I made this joke yesterday filling in for, for my father as he's been down in D.C. And I'll be filling in again today uh, at 3 p.m. for him on WABC. Um, but really, when you think about kind of one of the other philanthropies on the exact opposite side of this that we've talked about over the last 10 years, the Clinton Foundation, right. they really have self-service themselves, right? It's yep. completely about, okay, we want to make sure we use this money to pay for, uh, for, to pay for Chelsea's wedding and this and that. And, and what, how can we utilize these funds for us? It is the exact opposite of the Tunnel to Towers. They really ultimately continue to focus on what can we do for our first responders? What can we do for our veterans? And now, while you look at homeless uh, veterans' homelessness and you see it as this massive, massive problem all around the country. If there's any organization that can tackle it and make a real dent, it's Tunnel the Tower. No doubt. They built these uh, beautiful villages, one in Houston, opened recently. And, well, you just nailed it. And you're right about the difference between Frank Siller and the Clintons. Uh, another amazing appearance, man. You just, every week, you're tremendous. You really are. Not because you said nice things about me, but that certainly helps. Uh <laughs> 
well, you know, Sid, I was just I was just honored that between my father and I that we got equally as many mentions as you did the other night by President. No, you got Trump. more. Happened, no, no, you got more, and you got well. no, you got more, and you guys uh, deserve it because uh, you guys are very close with the president. But it was cool to be sitting there with you and, and your lovely wife Z and Danielle and see him point at me twice, and it was just a great time. But I love you, Andrew. You did a great job here again this morning. We'll do it again next week. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk soon, buddy. You're great. Thank you. Oh, uh, thanks. You know, I tell you, I'll tell you what. I'm thinking about who got multiple mentions out there, and it was Rudy Giuliani, Steve Bannon, Matt Gates, and Sid Rosenberg. You're in rarefied air there, That's my true. friend. Everybody else got a single mention, <laughs> a couple other people, but multiple mentions. You're in the multiple That's mention true. category for yes. Donald Trump. We'll true. leave it at that. I love you, Andrew. Thank you. That's a great job. Yeah, that's great, man. He's right about that. But that's uh, Andrew Giuliani. I love him. He really is terrific. He'll be filling in today at 3 o'clock for his father, who continues to fight that nonsense in D.C. from that Georgia case. We're going to talk to James Howard, one of three really courageous souls that will feature during this hour of season to hope. We'll talk to James Howard next. Thank you, Andrew Giuliani. WABC. One, one, Rudolph, baby. Come on now. Come on. Ten days away from Christmas. My favorite member of the house these days. Oh, Nancy Mace is still a friend of mine, but Anthony D'Esposito is now my man. That's my guy. He's going to join me coming up in about uh, seven or eight minutes. And I got a bunch of people asking me this morning, why are the Republicans running a Democrat in their effort to beat Tom Swazi and keep that George Santos seat? I mean, she, she, um, I guess she acts as a Republican in Nassau County, but she's a registered Democrat. It's weird. We're talking, of course, about uh, Mazzy Phillip. Phillip. So we're going to talk to uh, D'Esposito coming up about that in about seven or eight minutes. But again, this is uh, the last three Fridays. And, of course, today and one more, we have uh, devoted the fourth and final hour on Fridays to the Tunnel to Towers Season of Hope campaign. And nice little story there from Andrew Giuliani. He did run the 5K. I did it a couple of years ago, and I loved it. It was a beautiful September day. And I remember, I've told you this before, 
that it just came down to whether or not I was going to beat Greg Kelly. I couldn't care less, but he actually did care, and he beat me. <laughs> it was a fun day, it was. And uh, they do events all year, whether it's golf, pickleball, marathons, Tunnel to Towers has fun along the way, too. But you know what it's all about, folks. These people, not just soldiers, some cops, first responders, they put their lives on the line every day. It's Friday. You're about to have a great weekend, right? Go out, go drink and hang out with your wife and your kids and go Christmas shopping, watch football Sunday and Tommy DeVito and the Jets and the Dolphins. All these liberties, all these great freedoms provided by people a lot more courageous than you and I that take a gun and go to some lonely cave somewhere and die sometimes or come home with no legs or no arms. And when they get back, they need to live a life like we do. So Frank builds them smart homes. So with a remote control, they can do all the things that you and I take for granted. 11 bucks a month, man. It would be one thing if it was 100 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month. $11. That's pennies. That's 30 cents a day to make sure some brave young man or woman who lost their limbs, died, can live a respectable life. T. The number 2T.org sat down with Lisa Gualdino a couple of weeks ago. We'll get to her. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Friday morning. I'm watching my uh, good buddy Dr. Mark Siegel on Fox News. Hey, let's get him on next week before the holiday is over. He's sending me and Gabriel to see the Knicks and Bucks Christmas Day, but he's talking about Ozempic. This is uh, this uh, wonder drug that um, all these women are taking these days to uh, get skinny and stay skinny. And um, I don't know much about it. And uh, I'd be somewhat of a hypocrite if I started criticizing people for putting stuff in their bodies? Yeah, I'd say so. I didn't ask you. Oh, okay. Did I say, Justin, what do you think? Oh! No. But you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, if it works, it works. But she supports uh, Ozempic Oprah Winfrey. And if Oprah Winfrey supports it, then it must be good. If she supported Hamas, it would be great. She's Oprah Winfrey, right? Is she still beloved like that? I guess she is. I don't know. I, she's kind of fading a little bit. Like, like for my generation, she's an afterthought. She is, right? Yeah. I like her. I don't know why, but I do. But I like this guy more, Anthony Diaz-Pazito. He's my favorite uh, person in the house these days. He really is. And uh, he's joining me with a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, especially Mozzie Pillip. 
Anthony, good morning. How are you, pal? What's up, my brother? How are you? I'm great. Are you guys on vacation yet? Uh, I don't know if it's vacation, but yeah, we're, I'm I'm back in the district, uh, heading back to DC next week just for a couple of days. But we, yeah, we're, we're uh, the the house floor is closed for recess until the first week of January. That sounds like a vacation to me. No, I mean I know you're going to come back and do some work, but I mean you're off. I mean you don't have to still, you don't have to sit there with Matt Gates and that type of thing, right? Yeah. That's true. That's true. But working in the district for sure. And now, now we have a special election to run. Right. Well, I want to get there, but first, uh, by the way, I like Matt Gage now. I saw them on Saturday. I loved him and Ginger. But I do want to get to uh, your week. What a busy week between the impeach, uh, the impeachment inquiry, uh, getting done behind Mike Johnson, uh, all the work you're doing, Anthony, along with Johnson in the House to, uh, remove uh, Mayorkas as well. It seemed like above and beyond this special election out of Long Island in D.C., you guys had a, a very, very busy week, and I would say a successful one, yes? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I know that uh, during the whole speaker election, me and you had disagreed about, uh, you know, putting Long Island, New York values first. Uh, not that you disagreed, but you thought we should have just moved forward and, and figured it out later. But that was one of the things that we stuck by. And, uh, you know, Mike Johnson delivered the first win for Long Island and New York uh, this week in the NDAA. We were able to secure uh, just a little over $700 million to uh, fully fund the uh, World Trade Center health care. So I think that was something important. Uh, obviously, we move forward on the uh, impeachment inquiry of uh, President Biden. You know, I, I tried to explain there were so many haters, especially uh, in New York, saying, it's unnecessary. It's it's not needed. Listen, it's the next step in, in the direction. And, and in the history of the United States House of Representatives, there's been over 90 impeachment inquiries. And obviously, all of them haven't equated to actual impeachment. So when you're conducting an investigation, this is the next step in the investigation. And now those committees of jurisdiction, the Judiciary Oversight Ways and Means, they can share all the work that they've done with the rest of Congress. We could review it and we could see what's going on with the next steps. And when it comes to uh, Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Committee, which I'm proud to sit on and, and chair one of the subcommittees, um, you know, we are in our, our five phases. Uh, we're in the fifth phase of, of investigating into Mayorkas, and we are going to move forward on his impeachment as well. And I was just talking earlier to Joseph Tacopina, the great defense attorney, one of Trump's attorneys, obviously, dear friend of mine for almost 47 years. And I brought up the fact that uh, Steve Bannon, my new buddy, Bannon and Navarro, those guys were held in contempt when they did not, in fact, uh, go to a depot, a Congress depot. And we saw the same thing happen just a couple of days ago with Hunter Biden. So that there's no way in the world the Biden judicial, uh, and the, you know, the, the Justice uh, Department uh, can, can make a separate ruling on Hunter Biden if, in fact, they did what they did to Navarro and Bannon, right? Absolutely. And the one difference is, is that... Uh those two gentlemen didn't uh, show up on the steps of the Capitol building, put, a, uh, put on a show, and then whisked, whisked away by security, uh, literally only steps from the committee room where he was supposed to appear. That is unbelievable. He just stuck his nose at you. And were you guys all in there waiting under the impression he was going to go, or did you know even before he was not going to do it? So I'm not a member of, the, of those committees that uh, that, were, that are conducting the investigation. But I, I, from what I've heard from, from the members that are, uh, they were anticipating that he was going to appear. Wow. All right, this is Anthony D'Esposito joining me on this uh, Friday morning. So I want to get to uh, Mozzie Pillip. This is a big deal, right? I mean, I'm also on record with you saying that I would not have removed Santos. Uh, look, I, I want to remove Rashida Tlaib. I want to remove uh, Elon Omar. These other people, not that what Santos did was okay, I'm not saying that, but 
I'm all about politics with you guys first. I'm, I'm less about morals and all that nonsense. I don't care who the president bangs. means nothing to me, okay? Just keep us safe, make us money. And the fact is, George Santos voted America, voted Israel, and he was a Republican. And we have the slimmest margin in the House as it is. I can't afford to lose that guy because he was a real Republican. Now we're bringing in somebody who, look, she's Jewish. I love that. IDF, I love that. But as far as I know, she's a Democrat. So folks are asking me, and now look, my wife, for example, she's a registered Democrat, but she's becoming more and more of a Republican because of the policies every day. Maybe that's Mazi. I don't know. But as far as folks know, she's a Democrat. How did that work? So I think that Mazi, not that I think, I know, Mazi is deep principled in her conservative values, I mean, which is clear from the things you just mentioned. Served in the IDF, is strong on Israel. She's a fiscal conservative. She has been a, a loud voice. Uh, standing up for law enforcement and first responders. Uh, she has been critical of the, the issues at the southern border. She wants to rein in the reckless spending of the, of the Biden administration and hold those accountable that are violating the public trust. She has served on the county legislature for the last two years, uh, always voting conservative Republican values. And I just want to point out that I think on Long Island and, and in New York is a little bit unique and, and specifically an area that you are, you know, you're, you're understand and, and know it well. I know you visited there a couple of weeks ago. The five towns, for example, the, yeah. the Orthodox conservative Orthodox that, re, that live in the five towns and the majority of those communities, there are a lot of registered Democrats, but they all vote and believe and, and, and uh, speak with conservative values. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they move from the city. They never re-register. Mazi has been very clear and upfront uh, in support of all uh, the Republican conservative values, our commitment to America, making sure that, again, we secure our border, we hold Biden and Mayorkas accountable, uh, we rein in the reckless spending, we hold those accountable, like Hunter Biden, who's uh, you know, c- completely laughing in the face of, uh, of Congress and the House of Representatives, and, of course, taking to task someone like Tom Suozzi, who I've heard from many people, ah, Tom Suozzi's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. Yeah. But that doesn't mean because you're a nice guy you should be serving in the House of Representatives. I mean, he's legitimately on record saying that he want, in 2021 that he wants to be an honorary member of the squad. The word honor and the squad should mm. never be used in the same sentence because it's absolutely insanity that you'd want to surround yourself with people like AOC, Rashida Tlaib, and Elon Omar. Well said, Anthony. Now, look, I got no issue with Mazi. I really don't. I would say this, though. Uh, she wins and, uh, she gets that seat. She's got to re-register. That's what I mean. She, you just, I get it. I get it. There are Democrats. You mentioned the Orthodox Jews. My wife, you're a thousand percent right. Thousand percent right. But there is something to titles. And if she's going to end up serving, uh, uh, serving and having a seat on our team, I think at some point she's got to register as a Republican. At some point. No? You just don't care. Yeah, well, listen, I, I agree. I, uh, I think that, uh, I think that this is an opportunity for us to show that there are people on Long Island, in New York, and around this country, who perhaps at one time were Democrats and are so sick and tired of the far-left progressive agenda that they're pushing across this country that's making our nation less safe, making our communities less safe, costing us more money, and and making everything at the stores more expensive. And I think this is a perfect example of people seeing the light and understanding, wow, you know, the Republicans are on the right side of every issue when it comes to this country. You know, a couple years ago, I met Tom Suozzi uh, at the Columbus Day Parade. He was a sweetheart. It was great. And uh, I brought him on. I brought him on the air. Me And Bernie was here, God rest his soul. 
And we brought up the Parental Act that Ron DeSantis did in Florida, which, by the way, every governor across the United States, I'm a Trump guy, a big-time Trump guy, not a DeSantis guy, but I thought the, the Parental Act that he did down in Florida was great. But it didn't take the Democrats, as you know, Anthony, very long to destroy it, and they actually called it the Don't Say Gay Act. Nowhere in that bill is the word gay even used. Not even used. It is a very responsible parenting bill that most states should, in fact, use. And when Swazi came on with me and Bernie, he actually said to us, I'm with you guys. It's a great bill. He doesn't say there's no word gay in the bill. He's doing uh, what parents should do. And then, after he was on with us... Seemingly, he got pressure from his constituents, his donors, and the Democrat Party. I don't know. And he does a, a story in a paper about three days later where he called what he said with me and Bernie inartful and took it back. And I called him. And I said, you want to come on and explain yourself? He said, sure. But it got so nasty during that private phone conversation, he never came back on. But I said to him, I said, you just ruined it for me because you were on the right side and you allowed political pressure. Three days later, that says to me, I can't trust you. That's a true story. And, and Sid, to your point, if you don't think that someone like Tom Swazi, who is doing his best right now to try to play a moderate, if you don't think that, God forbid, he was elected, he would take his marching orders right from Joe Biden right from uh, the Democratic progressives, right from Hakeem Jeffries. I mean, that's who he's going to be listening to. This is one of the important elections that we have right now, because like you said, the majority is slim. And and for me, you know, obviously people in my party disagreed with me when I I led the, the efforts to expel George Santos. I did it because I thought it was the right thing to do. And I have no problem bucking my party to do things like that and stand up for what is right, like you just said. He does not want to do that. He wants to listen to their agenda. He wants to move it forward. And there's a reason why Hakeem Jeffries is going to spend record mm. amount of money mm. in this district, because they want a Democrat to keep moving their progressive BS forward. Well, you have it, folks. Explained well. She was a Democrat. Now she's adopted all of our philosophies. She may switch. She may not. But the point is, she's as Republican as the rest of us. Anthony D'Esposito, excellent, excellent job as always. Enjoy whatever you can these next couple of weeks. We'll talk again before the new year. Thank you, buddy. You too, brother. You and Danielle have a great weekend. Uh, you and your family too. Thank you, buddy. That's my man, Anthony D'Esposito out of Long Island. We're done for today. We got one more interview to do with one of these uh, courageous folks from Tunnel to Towers. We're going to talk to Tabitha Farmer coming up. Lewis, you are spectacular. I love you. Last night was great, great. Today, Justin Ellick, Noam Layden, the whole crew. God willing, as Gene would say, our last week of 2023 starts at 6 a.m. on Monday. Until then, from all of us to all of you with Tabitha Farmer coming up next. Peace!